when I worked with Bieber, you know, my experience with him was, you know, was a great one. He was a great kid. I mean, yeah. and everyone talks to him as like, you know, he's doing this. And I'm like, yeah, what would you do at 14 with $100 million? You don't know who's your f***ing friend. Yeah. This is back to your story. We did so many shows without doing it. And it's just like trying to stitch it together. Or he stitches it together. How are we doing, brother? I'm doing amazing. Doing That's, amazing. How are you doing? I'm fucking awesome, man. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Appreciate you having me. Uh, for people just kind of listening, tuning in, uh, why don't you do a brief introduction? What up? I'm Matt Alonzo. I am a um, music video director, mostly known for music video directing, although I'm a director of many uh, other formats. And um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to kind of, you know, I, I don't know. I'm never, I've never been good at that sort of introduction. Yes. You know, it's like a. Uh, I don't know, because it's not really like everything that I am. So it's kind of yeah. hard. Right. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mostly. No, I mean, uh, I'm, a, I'm a video guy. That's what I'm talking about. You know, a video guy. I, I grew up with video my entire life. So it's always been a part of me. And uh, I got kind of known for music videos. So that's why I say that. Yeah, you did. Hold on one second. Hold on. I know I messed up on this. My bad, bro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Restart. Just cut that out. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I think as human beings, we are very multifaceted. So it's like when I ask that question, you know, what are you or who are you? You know, it's I'm like sure you get some really like like prepared answers like, hi, I'm do <laughs> you know, it's just but, I don't, you know, I've never been really good at that. one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd rather, you know, the rawness and realness, you know, instead of some like, duh, 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 you know, like, fuck that shit, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like you know, be who you are. And I, I think that's more important, but you, you definitely are, are very talented director and uh, a creative human being. Has it always been like that? Is that, you know, been at, uh, Matt since he was a little kid or. I mean, I was crazy. Like, so I've <laughs> always been crazy, which I think goes with creativity. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to be a little bit out there. Um, so yeah, I've always had that. Um, as far as like filmmaking. Yeah. I started filmmaking when I was like six. Oh shit! Yeah, my dad just had a camera in my face at all times, and I absolutely hated it. Really? Oh, imagine waking up and your dad's like, "All right, hey, yeah, talk to the camera." You're like, <laughs> you know, it's five o'clock in the morning. I'm getting ready for school. I'm like, I don't want to talk to the camera. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, so I have a lot of a lot of footage of, the, of those days. But um, eventually, I learned to love it. You know, once I saw <clears throat> once I saw my dad plug it into the TV, and I kind of tricked my brain into thinking like, "Oh shit, I'm on TV." Yeah. Uh, I'm famous. <laughs> and then I saw that my mom would laugh and my dad would laugh. And I was like, oh, wow, this makes them happy as a kid. You know, that's all you want to do is make your parents happy. 100%. So I can entertain my parents with this little box and this other little box. So I was like, all right. So that's kind of what I learned. It wasn't like some, I guess some kids probably learn they make their parents happy by doing their homework or whatever it is. That was the thing that was the first thing that was shown to me that yeah. like I saw a reaction from. So I just learned that at a very young age that I could create reactions from people watching my stuff. And that's, I think that in essence, uh, that is the essence of filmmaking. So yeah, I've always had that. I've always been, I wouldn't say creative cause I wasn't like making, you know, collages and like painting and all this other stuff. I was just making movies, little movies and playing football. That's all I did. I love that. And, you know, I think creativity has so many different forms. You know, I, I don't think creativity is just based on, uh, you know, drawings or collages, you know, um, you know, a lot of people say that like jujitsu is creative, right? The movements, yeah. the, the, the planning yeah, attack, agree. right? I so, agree. but, but if you knew, if you knew me as a kid, you wouldn't 
necessarily be like the first thing to describe me wouldn't be creative. <laughs> okay. It'd probably be crazy. You I know, got that. I, I was I was off the walls. Like my parents didn't know what to do with me. They'd be in tears. So eventually they took me to a counselor and they're like, Yeah, let him hit the pillow for uh ten seconds and then uh tell him that's all he can do. And that actually really helped. So it's so true. You yeah. know, I, I remember for me, uh my my wife um a few years back. Uh, she took me to this place in downtown LA. I forget the name of it, but the whole premise was, is like you put on this suit, right? And Smash you, room? Yeah, 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 dude, it was freaking incredible. It's so therapeutic. So got all your anger out. For ab- like- absolutely. <laughs> so I like, I remember as a kid, I'd be angry and I'd grab my pillow and just scream in it as loud as I possibly could. And there's just something that feels so good at the end of it. So See, I-, I would rip my posters off and I'd be like, <laughs> they're abused. Like, they're abusing me. Somebody help me. And I'd be yelling and all that. They were like, none of that anymore. Here's a pillow. Yes. You get 10 seconds. Go ham. And I did that. And and it worked. It just seemed to really work. Just giving me the boundaries, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, but that would be the first thing that most people would describe me as is crazy, not necessarily creative. So do you think to be creative, you have to be a little crazy? One thousand. You have to be kind of bad shit. Right. So because yeah. like if you look at some of the most legendary creatives that have ever lived, um, I mean, just even f- from a, a musical sense, you know, you got the Joplins, the Hendrix, the Cobains, right? Um, you have to be. And one thing I've learned over the years, though, is that in any of the arts, you, you have to be almost like a people pleaser as well. Yeah. Something in childhood or in your parents' childhood has to derail a little bit for you as an as a person to be able to endure what it takes to like make it as an artist, no matter what, like what's like what field, yeah. actor painter because you go through so so much adversity so much rejection that most people just go okay i'll go get a job after one or two of those things um and and the artists who actually make it make it through hundreds of them yeah and so i i started to think like you really have to be off your rocker to uh to actually make it through all those yeah there were so many times my dad was just like he just threw his hands up in frustration because he didn't understand why i would continue in something that's rejecting me yes you know, I so, that. so that's when I knew like, okay, you really have to be a couple screws are, are definitely loose if uh, you're in a hundred percent. And, and especially for a, a lot of creatives, you have to be used to, I mean, very slim few, uh, make it like that, but a lot have to get used to rejection, right? You, you have to get a lot of no's before you get that. Yes. Before you get that chance. Absolutely. And that's the one thing that I tried to teach and like talk about because, it's not something that people necessarily want to hear or talk about. I mean, for whatever reason, really strange to me, but you know, Instagram and all, you know, all these other platforms, everyone wants to talk about their wins, but it's, there's so many losses before you get that win. So I feel like those should be included so that when these younger, you know, creatives are going through these hard times or facing adversity, they can understand, Oh, it's part of the process. It's one of the steps, Yes, you know, because it is one of the steps. It's not like you don't get to skip it, you know? No. I'm trying to think if I know anybody who's actually skipped it, but no, I mean, there's people who've made it faster than others yeah. for whatever reasons, various reasons, but it's, and then even when you make it, you're going to, you're still going to face that, you know, whether it's the next step or whatever, right? Like Absolutely. it's just part of, it's part of it, but people, these younger creatives don't really uh, understand that. I think most creatives don't understand that because you just don't learn that in the books. Yeah, oh, 100%, right? And and I think in today's culture with, with social media, people want to post the best moments for the most part, right? Yeah. So it, you don't get to see w- all the steps that it took to even make that picture, that moment, that that thing. And, uh, you know, some of the, the best uh, 
people that I like to follow are so raw and real and they post both sides of the story. Absolutely. And I mean, I, that's, that's appreciated. Like, right? I, I appreciate that very much. You yes. know? And, and I think the younger generations take a look, not even younger, I guess, if you're older like myself. Yes. Um, and you're coming into a new, uh, you know, a new territory, then you should definitely, you know, have some of that information. But I guess who wants to read about that stuff? A hundred percent. Right. I get it. I get it. I get it. I, I mean, I do, but the, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a, like I said, I'm a little bit off my rocker. So <laughs> you know what I mean? Because for me, like I always grew up, I grew up knowing it was going to be hard. My dad is more of a, he's a realist for sure. Most would probably say a pessimist, but, uh, he's definitely prepared me for the worst at all, at all moments. Like understanding, like it's going to rain every day. Not like in a, you know, let me pout type of way, but in a way that prepared me for rain so that when it rained, I wasn't, my day wasn't ruined. And yeah. if it didn't rain, it was great. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, but, uh, but that's just the way I was raised. So like when I started going through hard times, I didn't even, I didn't budge. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great, uh, thing that your father taught you, right? Because not every day is going to be good. Right. And if you expect every day to be good, you're going to be let down every, every single, single fucking day. And I just don't understand how people do that. Yeah. You know, it's like strange. it's, it's, t it, it just blows me away. Like, why would you want every day to suck? No, of course, of course. You and know? life is finite, man. It's a blink of an eye. And you have no idea what today is going to bring, let alone the next minute. Anything can happen, good Anything. or bad. Yeah, and if you prepare if you prepare for the worst or if you go into the day thinking like it's going to be a hard day, not like, oh, life sucks, yeah. not that sort of mentality, but like it's going to be a hard day every day because there's there's a ton of different things that are, can and possibly or might more often than not happen <laughs> than, uh, you know, that are out of your control. Just gotta roll with the punches, and and if you prepare for the worst, and it's anything less than that, it's a win. Yes, yes. But if you prepare for sunshine, you you prepare for like the best day. You're late to work by two minutes. Your day's already fucked. Yeah, you I, know. I love that. I love that outlook on life. Where does Matt? Where does your story start? Right, because you've brought up your, your father a couple of times now. Um, you know, you said at six years old, that's when you you picked up the camera. Where yeah. where does where does your story originate? Like. From there or before that? No, no, like around that time, you know, okay. when you were a little kid. Yeah, I mean, well, a little bit before that little backstory is that both of my parents were street kids. Okay. So they both came from broken homes. They were, you know, my grandma was a heroin addict. Um, my other, my mom's side was was really religious and just kind of, which is ironic because, yeah. you know, they outcast, you know, yes. anyone who breaks rules and things like that. So both of my parents never had a good family structure, never saw any sort of family dynamic uh, and actually met one night and uh, made me <laughs> uh, without even really knowing each other, you know. And so, um, and so, when my dad my dad found out I was pregnant, my dad decided like, okay, I'm gonna film everything because I never had a family, so I'm gonna, I guess, just document every second of it. Wow. I mean, really, kind of a strange. Uh, but, but he, but he wanted to just have, have it all, you know, he wanted to give us the childhood and my mom, they wanted to give us the childhood that we, that they never had. Yeah. So that really went into a lot of my story just because of like, I mean, how often does that happen? Like, and, and yes. my dad told my mom, like, I don't, I don't know you, I, but I'll learn to love you, wow. you know, like I'll, I'll learn to, to know you and love you and at 18 years old, you know? So, so by the time we got the camera, we were already kind of, you know, I think out of out of like hotels and like doing all that type of stuff, you know, so we were getting a little bit more stable. Um, and, and that's also why the camera was such a big component to our 
to our childhood is because we, you know, my dad, gave, my dad and my mom gave us everything that we we asked for as much as they could. Yeah. But they made sure that like family and 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 you know watching movies together, just having that sort of bond was the key component to like everything. Um, and so like we'd sit down, watch a movie, then we'd watch our little movies that we would do. And so it was a it was a big thing in 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 my my childhood. So it just kind of always stayed. I wouldn't say a priority, but it always stayed in my back pocket. I love that. And I played football, and that was pretty much all I did. I played football. I was a wild kid, homecoming king, just like ditch school every day. There we go. You just, I just played. You know, that's I. Just, it was wild. It was definitely <laughs> a, wild, a wild childhood. But I always had the camera with me. But yeah. I, I, I didn't even think about like going to. I didn't even know what film school was. You yeah. know, uh, graduated, and I was like, all right. What the fuck do I do now? Like, yeah, I had, I had no, I had not, I have never, I had never thought about what to do after high school, you know. Um, and my parents, they didn't even graduate high school, so they didn't know really how it all worked or like what I needed to, like, study for or take certain tests. They they couldn't really tell me because they didn't really know, you know. So we got, I got out of high school. We went to a film school, Brooks, and we walked around. They sat my parents down. They told them the price. They were like. Oh, absolutely not. We can't we can't afford this place, you know? No. So I was like, all right. Went to Santa Barbara City College. Uh, and uh, filmmaking was kind of an afterthought at that point. Like, I was doing a couple of weddings, you know, maybe, maybe a local music video. Um, and by chance, one of my friends who I got into filmmaking decided to go to that school that I couldn't go to. And I was doing all those projects for him, just helping him out. And still, I was working at The Gap, I uh, worked for the city of Santa Barbara at six in the morning, cleaning parking lots. Wow. Um, and then I worked at the Gap, then I went to school, and then I drove all the way back to Ventura, which is like 30 minutes away. I did that every day. And then I helped him out with his projects. And he pulled my dad aside and was like, your son is um, acing all my projects. And he's like doing them on the side. Like you really need to get him in, into the school. And I didn't know he was telling him that, but he, he kept telling him, kept telling him like, yo, you really have to get him here, you know? So... Eventually, my parents decided to refinance the house and wow. and uh, put up the money to, to get me there. So that's incredible. Yeah, it was a big sacrifice, and I kind of like at that point I had already dicked around enough in high school and like kind of had my sort of college experience, if you will. Yeah. So I was like, okay, and I understood what was happening, so I just took it upon myself to like take all the notes I possibly could stay extra time in classes, um, do internships. I still have every single note from college. Jeez. Um, because, because of the sacrifice that my parents were taking and making for me to go there. Um, I just had to put it on my shoulders and be like, all right, I'm gonna make sure that your money does not get wasted. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause that would just be a huge slap, uh, slap in their face, you know? Absolutely. Um, but that was like a pressure. I think, uh, from, a, from my standpoint, that I just put on myself. They didn't, they didn't, you know, force that pressure upon me. But while I was at film school with that sort of hunger intern, I was interning everywhere, anywhere that would have me, I would intern. Um, and so I did a couple of internships in Los Angeles while still being a full-time student in Ventura. And, um, one of them decided to start paying me. Yeah. Before I graduated, I was getting paid and, uh, I was only editing for this company. But I had two computers at the time, so I would charge them 
double double hours for every hour that I worked because I had two machines going. So I'd be like rendering one thing and then like editing another, and I would charge them two hours for every wow. hour. And it, it was a lot of money. <laughs> it was a lot of money. But um, I graduated film school. Um, I went above and beyond. Teachers were like, yo, you just got to chill out. Like, you'll be all right, you know? But this was back in the day where, like, I had my own website, and they were like, no, you can't have your own website. What? Yeah, because back then it was like, go be a PA, work your way yeah, up the yeah. ladder. Um, they didn't really understand, oh, you're a director and you're an editor? No, you can only be one thing. Yeah. They're like, people are not going to hire you. They want specialty. You know, people with that are very specialized in one thing. I'm like, well, I'm specialized in both of them, you know? Absolutely. But, um... Graduated, moved right out to Santa Monica. The company that I was interning for hired me full time to basically be like director editor for his record label. And they fired the rest of the staff. They were like, all right, we don't need anybody else. What? (laughs) What? Because I was directing and editing and shooting. Like, I mean, I was shooting everything as well. So how old were you? 22. 22, making like a buck 20 Santa Monica the day after I graduated. You know, so you really realize the magnitude of what your parents did for you, you know, refinancing the home and, and all of that. And not I, really, could, I, I mean, not like in that sense, because that just I mean, yes, to answer your question, yes, because the hunger was there. And yeah. like in order to get me into this, this, this area, this, this, you know, this company, yeah. I would get my get my myself in front of this company. But. I wasn't like actively looking for a job or anything like that. They just happened to say, all right, you're an intern. Now you're getting paid. And then I started getting paid. And then once I graduated and I was like, okay, I can move to LA. They were like, all right, you're hired full time. It wasn't like it was, it was like I was, that was one of the things that I didn't really, that kind of just opened up for me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I will say that because I wasn't, if that didn't open up, I wasn't actively like dropping my resume at other places or anything like that. You yeah. Know? But you were also still so new, right? Like well, I had no idea. About exactly. Anything. Exactly. I didn't know. I didn't know 120 grand or 30 grand was great. Yeah, like I mean, for a 22 year old kid, right, right off the jump, that's fantastic. Yeah, you just, but I just didn't know because yeah. I had nothing to compare it to. Absolutely, other than like flipping burgers when I was 14 or yeah. something, you know, which was so far in the past that I wasn't like, oh, let me compare the money, right? Absolutely. And to be honest, I wasn't even thinking about the money. I was thinking about on the drive here. I'm like, man, those first probably 10 years, I didn't think about money at all. Yeah, but that's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously you should think about money, but if you're doing it because you truly love the craft. Exactly. I mean, that is a beautiful thing. Yes. But it's, as you know, probably know, like in any of these arts, it's such a fine line between like starving artists and. True. And I won't even say it like a rich artist because you're not necessarily an artist anymore. You kind of lose that artistry when you become like when you make money in this field or any sort of field, just like if you're a painter and and, and if you're a an artist as a painter, you're painting your own murals, your own whatever. But if you start to make money, it's most likely going to be from commission jobs, which somebody else is telling you what to do. And that kind of strips the artistry away a little bit. True. Right. Like, I mean, in the purest form. I agree what you're saying. So, so, um, I was much more of an artist. Yes. Let's just say that. But I, financially I was, I was okay, you know? Yeah. But, um, excuse me. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. And he's back. No, so you go through that experience, right? You go through school. How long was school? Three years. So three years, three right? Three years full time. And you're going above and beyond and just doing everything you possibly can. What were those three years like for you? Was amazing. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. I mean, film school for me was, um, it changed my life. You know, before that, I didn't even know that cameras had lenses. Like, <laughs> really? Because you got to remember before, this was back in 
I graduated in 03. So this is when you had VHS tapes, and yeah. mini, mini DB tapes, right? Like the first concert that I did, I filmed on uh, the first HD camera. Jeez. So, you know, everything was still 640 by 480, right? Like, yeah. So to go to film school and, and then see these lenses go on these cameras and things like that, like it was, it, it changed my life. But but what changed my life really more so or changed my, my outlook on film was learning why to cut into a close-up and learning all the psychology of filmmaking and like what people subconsciously take from the screen. That really like, because I was always kind of good at that just by chance or I don't know, maybe my parents developed some sort of emotional, you know, intelligence within me that I was able to like dissect this stuff. I couldn't ever explain it to you back then, but, but once I actually learned the terms and, and really like learned how to, how to look at things differently and then looked at what I wanted to convey to my audience, that really changed, yeah, changed my life, you know? And then really just having other people show me that you could make money in this because for me, it was always a hobby. It was for my parents. It was just something I did on the side. Yeah. So I didn't think about it in, in terms of like, I can make money this way. So that those two things really like changed my life, you know? When you were going through school and then you got that job, what kind of stuff were you working on back then? So the company was called Irwin Naturals. The guy, Clee Irwin, you can look him up. He's still out there now. But uh, he made all his money off. He made all his money off a colon cleanse. Really? He bought a colon cleanse from somebody else and he made infomercials and made millions. Okay. He had, he had colon cleanse. He had millions of dollars. He had a, a wife. I think she was Brazilian and he had a, a black mistress <laughs> and they knew each other. They would go to lunch together in the office and stuff. She wanted to create a record label and she's, so he's like, all right, yeah, let's create a record label. Cause he had so much excess money. So we had this, like, there was a corporate office and there was a, a part of it that, that was downstairs. I mean, I'm talking super corporate, like super corporate. Okay. Like super, I won't say dorky, but like dorky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, just really, okay, we got to have this. Room, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you have a record label there. So you have all these rappers and everything. So she wanted him to sign all her friends who some of them had been signed to death row. Some of them had been whatever. Um, and so he signed three artists and then he made a skateboarding rap group, which was actually a smart idea. It just was too early. But, um, so he had four artists total and he wanted to make a double album for each of them. And then he wanted to shoot a music video for every song. Wow. And then he wanted to sell it like an infomercial. We actually filmed it. He's like, hey, how's it going, man? And for $4, you can call now and get, you know, like it was, it was yeah, it was, it, it didn't work, obviously. Obviously. But I was editing some of those music videos. And then when I came up, I started just directing and shooting and, and editing them as well. Yeah. Um, which was cool because it was, you know, right up my alley. And then I was just like, all right, just kind of thrown into this world. Here's 20 grand, go shoot a video. Or here's five grand, whatever it was like. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was doing when I got there. I think like a m couple months after that, they told him like, you've already spent like $3 million. You're done. The side project is done. And it has, it hadn't made any money. No album had been out. No song had been out. Cause you wanted to like package them all. Yeah. And then, you know, give it, give you like a limited time discount. But if you call now, which was a really strange way to sell this, to market it, but regardless, it didn't, it failed. So they were like, all right, all that's gone. So I came to work and he's like, all right, you got to you got to help me work on these infomercials. Oh, so I was like, OK, uh, so I did one and I'm like, let's do a newscast 
let's make it look like a newscast. Cause I asked like, who's our target market? And he was like 50 to, you know, 80. Yeah. Pretty much who's buying this shit. And I was like, all right, let's make it like, let's make it look like you're on, you go onto a news, you know? Yeah. Uh, and you talk about how this, this cleanses revolution, you know, basically you'll die if you don't take it. Yeah. Type of thing. And it, did numbers like it? I'm sure. Yeah, we had a little ticker on the bottom. <laughs> we had everything, you know. Um, but the next one we did, I don't remember. I don't remember the exact idea because he came up with that one. But my my like my final day was when he asked me to like. He, he wore too light of a makeup, so his makeup and it, his face and his neck were two different colors. And he wanted me to like like go into like an hour long infomercial and paint his neck. No. Yeah, dude. And no. Like, <laughs> and I just remember that. I, I just remember going, "What the heck am I like? Like you're wasting. Like I'm wasting. I'm riding away here." Yeah. You know what I mean? And and uh, I called my dad, and he's like, "I was crying. I was like, what do, what do I? I I didn't know what to do. You know, I was kind of just thrown into this situation. I had no real plan of any. Like I didn't really even think about like what am I going to do tomorrow after this. I didn't think about anything. Yeah. Uh, even when I accepted the job, I wasn't thinking like, okay, how's my career going to go? Like, I was just so young. So um, he's like, are you growing as a man? I said, no. Are you growing as a creative? And I said, no. He's like, okay, you know what to do. I said, okay. I don't, I don't think wow. he meant like right that second, but as soon as I hung up the <laughs> phone, I picked up my bag and I was walked out of the office, <laughs> you know? To be young. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I didn't think about anything. I didn't think about, oh, how am I going to pay my bill? Like, I didn't, yeah. I, you know. And I had brand new car, new apartment. You know what I mean? Like, I had no concept of money or bills. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> obviously, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And uh, I but, love that. But the thing is that, you know, one thing that I really, I really wanted to experience was like a mentor or like somebody within the company that could like show me things. And I, I was already the, at the plateau. Like, I was already the highest member in my department. So it was, it was kind of uh fruitless at that point. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and I just, I, I was kind of like advanced in my, my career, like, uh, assessment at that point, but like really not in terms of like all the other shit. Cause I just literally walked <laughs> out, you know? And then, uh, shortly after that, it took my car. Holy you know what shit. I mean? Yeah. Uh, my landlord came knocking and you know, things like that. So, so everything fell apart. Uh, I wouldn't say it fell apart for me. It got better. Well, obviously, but yeah. you know, no, so but I mean, it even got better at that point. Cause I wasn't going in painting necks. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so true. You know, and, and for, for, for an artist at that point and a, and a young kid that, that was the end all be all like there's no bigger element to my life at that point. Like yeah. bills, they were, they were down here in terms of my priority. List. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Right. I mean, we've all heard that saying, it's like when a monkey swings from a tree, right. It doesn't just let go of the branch. It goes, yeah, but, right? yeah, no. but sometimes you need that fire, right. That, that gets lit in your ass, right. Yeah. To, to go on to the next thing. Right. And like, obviously as an, you know, an adult, now you look at things different, you have a different perspective, but when you're younger, it, a lot of times we go off of impulse and sometimes yeah. it's beneficial and sometimes it's not. So for you, you go through that experience. What was the next step? Did you have to move back home or? No, I mean, the next step was really, like you said, it actually lit a fire under my ass and it kind of just like gave clarity to my mind. Of course, I lost my car. Yeah. Um, they repossessed that bad boy real quick. <laughs> um, uh, rent was was a struggle. Um, and, uh, you know, wore the same clothes for a couple, couple, a little while. Yeah. But uh, Top Ramen was, you know. Your best friend. Oh, Absolutely. Top Ramen and 7-Eleven coffee was about my diet. Yes. Um, but it, it 
it gave me the the ability to like really see the landscape for what it was and then kind of figure out like what am I going to do obviously I couldn't really think about it so broad because I had limited funds and I had a lot like you know things were coming up so uh Craigslist was I think one of the new the, the new platforms you know new places to go for for work so I just I would stay on there and um and build up my MySpace like my MySpace was kind of like you know YouTube had barely barely started going I and mean, YouTube was in its infancy, Yeah, you know, so you couldn't really, it wasn't a market. There wasn't really eyeballs there. No one really believed in it at that point. I don't even know how many videos were on it. Uh, this was like in 06, 07. So long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And it's, it's kind of crazy to probably hear that YouTube wasn't a thing. But, I know it's you know, weird. It, it, it wasn't. So Craigslist um, and just trying to like talk to my friends and figure out, cause a lot of the, the company, uh, that he, or a lot of the people that he had hired to run the, the record company stayed around. And the engineer at the record uh, record studio was my roommate. We ended up living together. He went and got a job at DirecTV. I ended up not getting a job <laughs> and just trying to like uh, find ways to make money. Um, but he knew I was talented, so he always kept me in his in, you know in his mouth and like kept kept the word like passing on the word because he was friends with so many artists. Um, I did a, I did a couple of Craigslist jobs. One of the ones that that like I vividly remember that was like this this lady from Soul Train. She was like wanted to make a highlight tape from like Soul Train, which was like four yeah. years ago. You yeah. know what I mean? And she gave me a box, like a big box of tapes, and like shit, and was like here, and like you know, two hundred bucks or something. And I was ah. just like, what the? <laughs> but I did it, you know, or at least I started. I don't know if I ever, I don't think I ever finished it. But I mean, just the thought of that, I was like holy crap like that's a lot but that's what you get on craigslist especially of course. you know you just get people with unrealistic expectations and very little money so um and when you're taking all the jobs because you have no option to say no it it definitely puts you in a bind a little while later my roommate said hey i have some artists in san diego they want to shoot a music video a portion of the music video wants to be they want to have it shot at their concert they're going to be performing at the house of blues so we go, do you want to go do it? And I'm like, sure. I think it was two, two, three hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah, let's just go. You know, like it, it could lead to something. These were kids from the reservation down in San Diego who had a lot of money and their parents told them that they had to go do something with this money because they were making like a hundred grand a month. Shit. Uh, just from their, their blood. They were so, yeah. they were, you know, they had so much percentage. And so they're like, all right, we'll be rappers. And so I was like, all right, let me see if I can like, you know, do something here. It's better than these tapes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So we went down there and I pull up to the House of Blues in San Diego. I look up to the marquee. Little Wayne is on the marquee. His name's on the marquee. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. I'm like, is it, is it, what? he's like, oh, yeah, they're opening up for Little Wayne. And this was when the Carter two had came out Shit. Carter three was about to come out so wayne was like the, i mean yeah. and he was my favorite artist and yeah. he was just so big he was so big at the time it was insane so i was like freaking out inside um and so we shoot these we shoot these rappers i mean they were atrocious shout out to them they already know like they don't rap anymore yeah. stuff like that they, they didn't they weren't really rappers but they you know needed to do something so that i got off their back we shot them and and i begged Little Wayne's people like, let me shoot the concert. They said, no, we got to leave with the cameras. As soon as your act's done, your guys are out of here. My roommate, he has a mouthpiece on him. He went and chopped it up. He's like, came back. He's like, all right, you guys can film, but 
you have to turn in a like give them a promo video for his European concert. He's leaving in like two weeks. So as long as you can make a, a like a, a little promo for that tour, then you can film. What? So I was like, all right. So I was in the pit and I had, you know, like I said, I had the HBX, which was the first HD camera that was out at the time. I had one of my friends on stage and then one of my friends in the way back with like a mini, a DBX with a mini DB. Both two cameras had mini DBs and we shot the concert. And then, <laughs> sorry. No, bro. This is incredible. Yeah, we shot the concert. And I'm like, yo, let's get home. Everyone's getting the fucking car. Let's get home. And they're like, why, why, why? I'm like, don't worry about it. Give me your tapes. And as soon as I got home, it was like, I don't know, three in the morning. I imported all the tapes. Because back then, you had to actually watch it. Yep. Yeah, as it imported, which was crazy. <laughs> um, and then I just cut it up. Like, I didn't go to bed. I just cut it up. Because I knew that somebody was going to put something out. Yeah. Although they never really did. But that was just my thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got to be the first one. So, so as soon as I was done, I did all these, like, split screens and color correction. No one at the time had anything close to this. Like, it looked professional. Yeah. You know? Um, put it on YouTube. Labeled it Little Wayne Official Music Video. And it blew up. No way. Yeah. This was back, like, like I said, back in 06, 07. So, no one was putting official. No, 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 no. So, no. MTV, BET, all the blogs took it. Thinking like they put it on their on their channel, thinking it was like a an official music yeah. because it says official. Like yes. why wouldn't it be? <laughs> Did you get in trouble for that? No, no, because there was nothing out at the time. Like no copyright infringements. There was Vivo wasn't out. We we actually uh, made Vivo become a become a thing because we. I'll tell you about that later in the story. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. no, there was absolutely like no none. There was no policing of of YouTube at the time. Holy crap. And so wait, did you end up delivering the promo to Lil Wayne? Yeah. Yeah, we did that. And then there's like they and this all happened like within like a couple of weeks. So that that blew up and I think it was the first video, one of the first like music videos to get a million. And then we delivered the we delivered a, a couple of different options of those those promos and they were like, yo, we love this shit. Come to Las Vegas. We're like, okay. Like come to Las Vegas, come film at come film the behind the scenes of his lollipop video. And we're like, I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm like, no way. I don't even have money for gas, but I'm like, let's go. <laughs> so I had a couple a couple other friends from film school who had just graduated. So I'm like, yo, you guys want to come as well? So we, we loaded up. We had like six of us. Everybody had cameras. And we went off to the Maloof's house. You know who the Maloof's are? They owned the Sacramento Kings. Oh, my gosh. Back then. And they owned like two of the, two of the casinos in uh, Las Vegas at the time. <clears throat> so they were, you know, super rich, super like popping yeah uh and so we would go to their house and we shoot the behind the scenes uh tyga had was you know yeah tyga like he was tiger at the yeah time, yeah right like, <laughs> <laughs> um uh kendrick he, he was known by kate out at the time uh that's where i met them schoolboy q uh j-rock like the whole like all these artists yeah. right and i'm like yo let's shoot something when we get back in town whatever you know especially with like Kendrick and Tyga like and Schoolboy cuz they were just they were passing out their mix they were so young at the yeah. time and uh, and I was young so I'm like yo you guys need music videos we uh, let's do it you know wow. so that that relationship those relationships came from that experience um yeah so I feel I, I couldn't believe that I was like right next to Wayne filming him and I'm like why is nobody stopping me I'm like what's going on you know oh cuz I'm like gosh. I can shoot my own music video here 
Right? Literally, yeah. that would be such a surreal moment in your life, right? It was a trip. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, and just think about it. Like, if you would not have taken that opportunity from your friend for to film, you know, those kids yeah. at, at the House of Blues and then have a good friend to put, you know, his name out for you, like, who knows what would have happened? Oh, yeah. Right. No, it, I mean, I, I know what would happen. Nothing, <laughs> Nothing right? Yeah, yeah. Because I this mean, was like the precipice. Like, this was like the changing moment of your life, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, at least my career. Career. That's what, not For life, sure. but career. Yeah. yeah, I mean, which, I mean, essentially, yeah, yes. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And it all happened, if you boil it down to, hey, do you want to shoot this for $300? You know? And so that's why I tell a lot of, a lot of the creators out there, you got to take every opportunity. Now, if it's, the, it's, if it's somebody repeatedly asking you for, you know, for favors, then that's where you, you know, you draw the line, but you just, you don't know. Yeah. Right. And, and the many, it, it could be exactly what it sounds like. And then whatever you don't do it again, but of course you got to take those chances. And so I did. And, and it opened up, I mean, at the same time, I could have, I could have filmed the concert and came at home and not edited anything. Absolutely. It would have been nothing. Yes. So there was a lot of factors to that. Yeah. You, you couldn't have put it on YouTube. You could have done this, 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 right. But you know, you took this opportunity and you ran with it. You had that hunger. You had that drive and motivation inside of you to do these things. And it's just pretty crazy to hear because I remember during that time, Lil Wayne was oh. my fucking dude. Yeah, no, he was. I mean, he was the I, yeah. dude. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, man. I, I mean, that 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 was definitely one of the highlights of my life for sure. I mean, I don't just, doubt just it. Just the way that it was, it went yeah. down. Like, I didn't know I was going to Lil Wayne's concert. Yeah. Right. And then I'm like look up and i'm like little Wayne. <laughs> and I actually recently went down there uh for like twitchcon and and uh we ended up having this party with like travis scott but it was like right down the street and i'm like drove by i'm like oh that's where my career started like i, yeah. I hadn't seen it since that since then so i was it was definitely nostalgic it was cool yeah um but uh yeah so i go down there uh yeah it was definitely very surreal like two weeks ago i you know my car was getting repossessed not like i was making millions of dollars but i was i was the potential of starting a new career, new life was yeah. on the horizon. Right. So yes. it was definitely exciting and motivating and, um, uh, very, like I said, surreal moment. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I drove back and like a week later, YouTube used to, you used to be able to send messages via YouTube. They stopped it for some reason, but I, I saw a, like a notification. I'm like, Oh, I have messages. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't even know. And uh, DJ Ski had messaged me like, yo, this video is crazy. Like, you're dope. Hit me up. Damn. And I knew, I was like, who's DJ Ski? And I went to his thing and he had like two videos up and it was him with Game. And I'm like, oh yeah, he's Game's DJ. He was the one putting all Game's mixtapes out. DJ Ski presents. Yeah. So I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. Like, I know this guy. So I hit him up and he's like, uh, come meet me. Come meet me in the valley. I was like, okay. No car, so I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I got there somehow. Yep. No car, no Uber. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was just thinking about that like two days ago. I'm like, Uber has to be one of the best inventions mm -hmm. like ever. Yeah. Just ever. I mean, just just for it's so brilliant. many people. Yeah, Scary as shit, but brilliant. Definitely. There's yeah. some stories on those channels. Yeah, you I watch. Just yeah. getting in random person's right, fucking right, car. Right? It's I so know, weird. I know. I know. But it is it is genius though. It um, is. And it's so helpful for not only the drivers, but the users as well. But uh Somehow made it there without those two yes. uh, options. And um, he's like, look, uh, I want to start a company. I want to start a channel called, you know, Ski TV. I don't have a ton of money. We have a little bit of investment, but, you know, you, you'll take some ownership in this thing if you want to do it. Wow. And uh, 
you know, right now we're just going to see where it, where it goes. And uh, I was like, all right, yeah. Like, I had no other option, really. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is your, your game's DJ. Like, you know, like, you're always in the studio. You're always doing things. So if I stay close to you, then... Shit should happen. Absolutely, you yes. know? And uh, I would say... I would say within like, I don't know, a month or two, we were shooting, we shot the Cardinal Official featuring the clips and then the game featuring Travis Barker, Dope Boys. Video. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I mean, relatively quick. And then we did like New Boys, You're a Jerk and Soldier Boy, Turn My Swag On, Fly Like a G6, like all those videos. You so know? you filmed all this? Yeah. Directed and directed, yeah, directed yeah. And edited. Yeah. 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 What was that? I mean, going from the the Lil Wayne experience yeah. to just a few months later, yeah, having this snowball experience. Like, what is going through your mind, right? Because you were you were doing like the infomercial and like you know the record stuff, and you know you you had a nice salary. Then that you know went out the window, and then you you have this experience, and now you're just like at this point in your life working with some of the biggest uh, acts in the entire world. Yeah. Um, that's insane. It definitely was insane. But for me, it was more like, for me, I felt this is where I was supposed to be. Yeah. And I had practiced so many days over and over and over all these things, writing shot lists, shooting, uh, directing actors, just rehearsed over and over and over that I was prepared for it. Uh, so I was like more, more so like militant, I guess in, in my like preparation and execution, I wasn't so blown away by the moment but i was more focused on the task yes so well that's good though because like if you got starstruck and act all weird and that, that could be all that could be strange like yes it's cool but you have this job to do you're gonna do your fucking job and you're gonna do it well and that's all that's that's the way i've always been and, and i gotta say all acts yeah definitely respect and appreciate that very much right of course um but yeah that that's what i was just thinking like this is what i was supposed to be like yeah. this is i don't know i just thought like yeah, but I felt that way when I was dead broke and eating top ramen. Yeah. Like I still felt like I'm I'm gonna be there. Yes. You know, I had no I it didn't change. Like my confidence or personality didn't change from top ramen, no car, you know. Yeah. Don't know how I'm, I'm gonna pay my rent <laughs> to working with the top artists, you know? Yeah. Um it was just Every day, like Absolutely. it's just a day as usual. Uh, I brought my parents to that set though, so that was pretty cool. Which one? Uh, the game featuring Travis Barker. Yeah. yeah, I brought my mom and dad. What'd they think? They just tripped out. You know, oh, I mean, sure. obviously, right? I mean, yeah. two weeks ago, I'm calling them like, "Dad, Mom, I don't know how I'm going to eat. Mom, I need some." <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and then I'm like, "Hey, come, come! I'm shooting." You know, you mean the guy from TV? Like, yeah, the guy from TV. You know, it's crazy, right? And you never know what tomorrow is going to bring you. Your 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 whole life and everything can change in a blink of an eye. Absolutely, right? You just have to have that, like you said, prepared. There's this uh, there's a saying that um, one of my mentors uh, taught me. It's called the six P's. Prior planning prevents piss poor performance, yeah, there right? You go. And like, it's just, it's been drilled into my head, right? And like you, the keyword you just said a bit ago is like being militant, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that's really important for whatever you're doing in your life. And then now you're at this experience bringing your parents, like, I mean, if I was your mom or dad, I'd just like, I'd be so proud of my kid. Of right? course. I mean, I think they were definitely proud and just in awe of like what was going on because they had never been to any sort of shoot or set before that. Like, yeah, we might've shot little little films at the house you yeah. know but um 
they'd never seen anything like that. But for us, I mean, for me anyways, it was like, like, you know, just I had prepared, you know, and I, and I had mentally, physically put in the reps. So, and that's one thing that I, I got to preach to like anybody listening is, is you have to do it because for the 10 years, nobody was looking at me, right? Like I wasn't, I put in those reps every day, regardless of how I felt, what was going on, if it was raining, if it was snowing, it, it didn't matter, right? It didn't matter to me. And I just practiced and practiced for what? I didn't know, but I just kept practicing. And then when my time came, my confidence and like my, my, yeah, my confidence and my belief within myself was, you know, as high as it could be because I had already done all the work. There was no question if, if I was ready or not. Um, it kind of felt like the first day of school though, that morning or like that night, like, what am I going to wear? Let me put it, <laughs> let me, let me, let me lay it out. Right. Cause like, and I didn't, I don't think I slept very much, you know, cause it's, you know, your nerves are going crazy. Uh, but that was the first music video that was ever shot on a red camera. We shot on the red one and that was the first, first video and Interscope gave us these budgets kind of like as a joke, like, cause people were still shooting $250,000 music videos. Like that was kind of the lowest it would go. Oh. So Ski came in and was like, Hey, give us 10 grand, give us 20 grand and we'll shoot a music video. They were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> They're like, okay, here you go. And, you know, they were kind of like, kind of like thought it was a joke, right? Yeah. Um, and then we came back and I actually had Dope Boys on Jimmy Iovine's desk the next day. Yeah, the next day. But then it kind of, it kind of messed up the entire market of music videos because now he's like, oh, we can do these high quality videos for 20 grand and have them edited in one day. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I never did that again. Obviously. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. I never did that again, but I definitely wanted to like, show that i could uh but it 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 kind of took the industry in that in that lane like we definitely ignited the fire to like to go that direction yeah i mean because it's kind of crazy like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. it's a lot of money man yeah i mean and, it, it, and I, they still spend it and i've got sure. those but but that was kind of the norm so we were the first ones to come in and say you don't need to spend that much money we can give you the same quality using these new cameras that no one has ever used before yeah nor nor do they know how to use them uh except for us young kids and for a fraction of the money we can give you the same thing and not only did we say that we just went and proved it yeah and then that's where that's where the floodgates open and i didn't understand what exactly we were doing in terms of like revolutionizing the the budgets and the and the modality of like music videos because we were just looking for an opportunity and and when the opportunity presented itself we didn't really care how big or how small we were just going to execute the best we could. And, and it kind of changed the game, you know, that's incredible. When you go into these like experiences, especially early on, like uh turn my swag on soldier boy or game or whoever, like, how do you guys come up with the ideas of making a, a music video? Is it like a whole bunch of writers or <laughs> no way? <laughs> no, I mean, most of the time, most of the time you'll get a song and, They'll give you some information. It's called a solicitation. They'll say like, you know, Soldier Boy, turn my swag on. Twenty grand uh, needs to shoot in L.A. Needs to shoot maybe between these days when the artist is going to be in town, or it'll say wherever it needs to be shot uh, during what what time of uh, what time frame. And if they have any sort of creative ideas, it, it'll be in a description like, hey, the artist wants to do something. They'll just use buzzwords, you yeah. know, out of the box. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever, and which don't really help you too much. Um, 
But what I've learned is that a lot of times artists or their management or their team or the label will have some sort of idea of what they want to do. They just won't tell you. Um, and they'll just like, because these solicitations go out to like 50 directors and then everybody writes out, writes their own idea. They send them in and then the artist or the commissioner goes through and reads them all and then says, I want to use this one. Right. So I just, I did my due diligence and just tried to get as much information from anybody on that side of the team just to figure out like what was in your brain so that I could like write it and you could think that I thought was in your brain. So they'd be like, yeah, this guy. Um, because like, you, yeah, you want to try to extract as much information, but it's yeah. really on the director. I mean, some directors have go, like writers who write them for, for them, but I've always just wrote my own or like my producers would write mine. Um, we would sit down, come up with the idea and they would actually do the writing. I'm a horrible writer. Yeah, horrible. yeah me too. I'm terrible. So now, now I'm just like pictures, <laughs> you know, because they, they, they look at the pictures anyways, you know. Um, but back then, like those, a lot of the songs that we did were like B-side records. They didn't think the songs were going to do too well. Yeah. Like Turn My Swag On, they, that was like a throwaway song. Damn. So they're like, oh yeah, sure. Give it to these guys who are, who are trying out, who are shooting for nothing. My gosh. Let's just send it that way. And it just blows up. Yeah. And actually the video commissioner didn't even know that, that we had, that we had shot and the video was already out and like number one on BET. They're like, oh, the song's doing so well. Let's shoot a video. They're like, the, the video's already out, you know? And so that kind of backfired because because the commissioners is kind of like, you know, they're the ones for the record label who actually, um, their job is to go hire and 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 see out the the whole process of the music video. So you don't really want to piss them off. Well, I, I'm kind of confused. Why did you piss them off, or how? Because because we because the marketing, we were very close with uh, Ski was very close with Chris Clancy, who was the like head of marketing at Interscope. He was like Eminem's kind of Eminem's right hand. And he was now like the CEO of uh, Tyler, the creator and all odd future. Like yeah. he, he was their manager and he created the record label and everything with them, but he was giving us the budgets and he was the marketing, you know, head of marketing. He wasn't the commissioner, but he was giving us peanuts. So he was more of like just testing us out with some of the marketing money. So we did we kind of just went around them. Oh, but shit. not on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of happened that way. Yeah, because like they were they were hiring whoever they normally hire for two fifty and doing their normal process. Yeah, we wanted an opportunity. Ski went and talked to him. He was like, "Hey, we have a couple of artists that you can here's some side money. Just see what you can do." Instead of like ten ten thousand on a poster or something, they were just like, "All right, let's just put it into a music video." Because at that point, it had never been done. Ten thousand yeah. for a music video was unbelievable, absurd. Yeah, and then it blows up. Right, you have these yeah. songs that just freaking blow up when when they're thinking they're just throwaway songs. Yeah, I mean, yeah. gosh, I remember "Turn My Swagger." That was fucking everywhere, constantly, nonstop. Yeah, the song really blew up, and like, and one thing that's one of many of Ski's talents was picking songs. Okay, like I, there were songs like "You're a Jerk." I was like, dude, no. Yeah. He's like, yes. I said no. He said yes. I said, All right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and I, I trusted him, but. Some of the songs I was like, what is going on? But they, they all blew up. And that's one thing that really helped my career was we didn't do it. Like sometimes there'd be more money in some other songs, but Ski would be like, no, this song's not going to do very well. So it doesn't, he didn't care about the money. He cared more about the exposure. Yeah. And so then I really learned a lot of marketing from him, how we used those first like 10 videos as like a calling card. We didn't really make any money on those, but yeah. we got our name out there. And that's huge. I mean, it, it, it's kind of crazy to think like Ski's Foresight 
to even just like watch what you created on YouTube, hit you up, give you this opportunity, then to be able to pick these songs, oh, he's a right? Genius. Like that's just insane. He's a genius. That's insane. And at the time when I was I was young, so I was thinking like, oh, we're a music video company. And he was like, no, we're a marketing company. And I'm like, okay. So what he was doing was he was gathering a YouTube page. Like I said, back then, if you had 10,000 subscribers, you were wild. We had 300,000, which was like... Insane. Yeah. So we were like the first really big, especially like urban channel. Uh, so he was taking all our analytics and he was going over to to like big brands, Chevron, T-Mobile, BlackBerry, whoever... And whoever had a new product coming out, especially a product that he thought was going to do well, because um, then he, want, he wanted to be able to like claim that he broke it, like, yeah. like we broke it as a company, which was another genius move, right? Like something that you heard a lot of buzz about, like the, I don't remember what those cars were that looked like a, like a Rolls Royce, but they weren't, they were like the... Oh yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. Whatever those were, uh, Jeep, were they, I don't remember. Chryslers? Chryslers, yeah, they were Chryslers, yeah, Chryslers. Uh, three hundred or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. like that was so started getting a lot of like buzz, and right before it like kind of like blew up, we, we did like little commercials for them. So we did bumpers for like our music videos because we got to premiere all the videos that we did. He was like, "Look, you're gonna give us ten grand, no problem. We're just gonna premiere these videos on our channel." And Interscope was like, "Okay, sure," because you have more more followers than us. Like we don't have anything. You have 300,000. It's a win-win for everybody. And you're going to do it for cheap. But, uh, you know, obviously they didn't understand the value in that at the time. Yeah. Ski did, which was so impressive because Insane. there was no value there. None. Right. But by doing that, we were able to sell bumpers and people were like, what are bumpers? You know, like we'll, we'll do like 10 second commercials for you and put them in front of our videos so that your product is seen by 300,000 that are in this demo that are right up your alley for your car, for your BlackBerry, or for your yeah. flip phone, or whatever, whatever it was, and uh, and so he's like, we're a marketing company. He's like, I'm just using these these videos to just br to to bring in the audience so that we can sell the audience. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So then, brilliant. So, yeah, yeah. So it was freaking brilliant. <laughs> Look at you, Tyler. Yeah, and we. Uh, it's all good. And then we started getting a lot of product. We started doing a lot of product placement, which wasn't that like predominant back then either. Yeah. we were the first ones to put beats by dre into a music video and all that stuff they, they came in like a like a, a armored car with like a suitcase i mean yeah which we had like a, a handcuff oh, to one shit. of the guys because it was like the first ever um beats by dre that it had ever left interscope no way man that was huge when he did that with the beats by dre and yeah. so you guys you guys did that yeah, we we're the first ones to put him ever in a music video. God damn, man. I mean, just the foresight to be able to do all of this at that moment. You know, how long had you been working with him? Like, I mean, by the time all these videos came out, it's like probably two years, like a year, you know? So two years, a year, right? You're going through that experience. Um, what was next for you? More music videos. We did. <laughs> I mean, and, we did, and we did like series. I, I you know, I, I told him like, I want to event. Like, we got to do more. Cause these, these things are just, you know, yeah, it just got repetitive and I started, I stopped feeling exciting, excited in the morning. I stopped yeah. feeling anxious when I went to bed, you know, a night before the shoot. And I'm like, I want that back. Like I got to try something out of the box. So we started shooting like documentary series. Um, we just try to do as much like branded content as possible and just try to get our stuff paid for and, and to get money from it. Yeah. Uh, I did a documentary series called up close where I went with like Nipsey hustle to, 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 to Europe. Uh, I did like exhibit Kid Inc, a couple other people, uh, and that documentary series was all about like hard times. I did, I, I don't want to know about your flashy cars or your jewelry. I want to know about all the struggles that 
got you to this point. And that was a really cool series. Um, but then it eventually got to a point where I'm like, all right, I got to go venture off. Yeah. You know, and just yeah. see what else is out there for me. Before we get to that, what was that experience like, you know, doing up close? Because uh, like we were talking about earlier, like with social media, everyone wants to paint the the good side, the, you know, everything's rosy, perfect, but obviously you have your good times and your bad times. And to be able to create something like that, right, to uh, bring out the rawness in an individual, someone as, you know, big as Nipsey Hussle was, uh, rest in peace, right? What was, like, how did you even come up with that idea? And then what was it like, you know, creating that? I think for me, what I noticed that a lot of people would, would latch on to, at least with me specifically, like on my personal channels, would be how transparent I was about what I was going through. And and a lot of people could relate to the, the struggling times. And then, you know, they were happy when they saw it go well. So I just knew that there was something there. And I, I also knew how hard uh, things are in these yeah. in these industries. And I'm like, look, you already have a million pieces of content that show all these things. Like, let's show another aspect of it. And I just wanted, what I really wanted to do, and this was my main focus, was to humanize the artist. I wanted the audience and the artist to be on the same plane. Yeah. Because I'm never, it's never that. It's usually like this, like this, which I, I, I do agree you do need, but not all the time. And so I'm like, let's let's make them human. Yeah. Um, that was my goal, my mission. And I definitely think it achieved that. And it was it was awesome. I loved it. And then going, I didn't, you know, Nipsey wasn't Nipsey. Not yet. Right. Um, the, I think the marathon continues had just came out. I had never, I gotta be honest. I had never listened to Nipsey up to that point. I just wrapped a shoot skis, like get on a plane. You're going to Europe. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, listen, download and listen to the marathon continues. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, just listen to it. So the whole flight, I listened to that thing and I, and I got off the plane going, holy shit, this guy is amazing. Yeah. He's amazing and yes. I'm like and I'm about to go you know go meet him in 20 minutes you know but uh you know that 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 mixtape or album or whatever really put in perspective like who he was and, and really just I don't know it got me excited because yeah. he was everything that he embodied everything I wanted to capture in this this um this series so I was so excited that he was going to be you know going to be on it and I, I got to tell his story and uh, that that experience it was just me, him, and his managers, and like he, we slept in the same room. Wow. Like we, you know, we partied. Like after we were done with the concert, he's like, "Matt, you want to go? Yeah, let's go." Oh and my so, gosh. The, I mean, that was great. It was like 15 days of that, you know. And like, I don't remember how many places we did. Like Paris, yeah, we did a bunch of places, you know. All and then them. while we're doing that, I mic'd him up, and and he's just telling me his life story, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't think it gets much better than that. And then. Well, I built the series around concerts. So like he was doing like five or six shows. Then he goes and performs. Then he talks about his life uh, on the way to the next destination. And then in between that, we did like little music videos. So that was kind of the, the whole, like the whole piece as a whole was like two or three music videos, live performances, and then your backstory interweaving like, you know, through all that stuff. But uh, it was just, it was wild, you know, partying till four or five in the morning. <laughs> He's on the phone with Rick Ross uh, telling me, like, I'm not going to sign. I'm not going to sign. And Rick Ross is like, I'll give you a million. I'll give you a million. He's like, don't do it, man. If everyone asks you, don't do it. Like, <laughs> like, nah, Rick, nah, you know, you know, come on. And he's like, you know, I fuck with you, whatever, whatever. But, like, I can't do that. 
and he got off the phone. He's like, don't ever do that. If, if they ever say that, you know, they're going to give you a million, you got to ask, you got to, you got to, you got to know that they're going to be taking a lot from you at that point. Right. He's like, yeah. he, they want, they want 360. They want all my materials to start making money off that. Everything I've done up to this point, he's like, I'm, I'll never do that. Wow. And, uh, obviously he stood true on that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, you know, went on to do a lot of things. And so that was like, that was, um, a, a big, like just being around him and his energy and, and some of my friends would be like, why do you like him so much? I'm like, dude, I mean, he just, it's his persona, like his swag and his energy. And he was so positive and he was like beyond a mentor. He was like, I don't even know how to say it, but every, everything out of his mouth was pretty much information for you to store, yeah. you know, so, something that you were going to use sometime in your life. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, it was, it was, it was amazing. I came home, told my dad about it. So when he passed away, my dad was the first one to call me. I found out through my dad, but I was, it was that, that big that my dad thought to call me when he saw it. So that, that just goes to tell you how big of a like influence I had on, on uh, your life. Yeah. When he passed, what did that feel like? Shock, you know, yeah. it was tough. It was, it sucked, you know, like, yeah, it just, I don't know. I think that was probably one of the first people that I ever, you know, had some sort of connection to that passed away. Um, other than like my grandma. Um, but I was just like, I don't know. I just didn't believe it for a long time, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just how it all went down. Yeah, It was just tragic. And he was like, he was moving so well at the time. He, he, he actually signed to us at ski TV as a, as an artist a little bit after that. He just never came to the studio. He would just, he would just like, all right, Matt, let's shoot some videos. We would go talk about him. Take me to like little Ethiopia. We would talk, whatever. And then he would just just not show up for like, like a year. Like nobody could hear from, like no one heard from him. And then he'd pop up again and be like, oh, I want to drop this tape, whatever. And like, I don't have no idea what he, you know, he wouldn't handle his business. I have no clue. You know, he obviously needed to, to go away. So, you wow. know, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was my experience after yeah. that. So after you finished off with ski, right. Yeah. You went through yeah. that. What was, what was next? What was next was a freak out period. Yeah. Uh, the new, uh, rep that I got decided to uh, to let me know that we weren't going to take any small jobs, and by small she meant anything under fifty thousand. So I was definitely freaking out. I I didn't know what like I didn't know what she meant by that. Yeah. Like we're, we're not going to do any jobs. It's basically what I heard. So like, <laughs> how am I going to make money? You know, um, she's like, no. By this point in your career, you're you should be asking for at least fifty thousand, and you know, if not more. So that should be like your bottom line, you know, you, you, the smallest budgets you do. And mind you, everything up to that point was under 50,000, 30,000, things like that. But yeah. we were doing a lot of favors um, and nobody was really making money. We were, like I said, we we're using those more as, as a calling card. She's like that, that portion of your career is over. Um, and so I sat for a couple months freaking out. I'm sure, bro. Yeah. And I don't know what exact, I think I did. I think she allowed me to do other jobs, but we just didn't put my name on them. And we didn't let the record label know that I was doing them, I think. Because um, I still made money. Not a ton, but I survived. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know what video it was, but some something came along and we were off to the races. Is it weird looking back at all the, the videos that you have done, the music videos, all the kind you created? Sometimes it kind of like blurs together, right? Oh, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, yeah, there were so many. I mean... I've done probably at least a couple hundred. Jeez. So sometimes we do four in a month, you know, 
two two in a month like it just it was always there was no there was never a, a long period besides this one which was only a few months that I wasn't doing something you know yeah. I mean over the span of my career as far as projects I probably shot a thousand things yeah you know and I also edit so I edit everything so I'd be editing the last project writing the next project yeah what what was it that she wanted to up the rate for you is that why she didn't want you to do anything below 50 yeah and because i mean obviously she had her fees as well so like things kind of changed and that's kind of what they're there for you know as an artist i'm not really concerned about money i'm like sure 20 grand and whatever right like and if i like the artist i like the song or who knows right like i just i i tend and i think most artists tend to just overload their plate sometimes yeah and not necessarily focus on the the compensation so she was kind of that side of my brain for me and that's yeah. kind of why you happen there um and then to, to to put your name in conversations that your name's not really a part of um what she did as well which was tremendous and it definitely helped me out like it was it was a huge um you know because before that at ski tv we were a company we were a company Matt Alonzo was known because I, I, like I said, we weren't making a ton of money at the time and we were using these videos as calling cards. So one thing I did was brand myself and put, put all the videos, put credits and all the music videos. And they, it all said, Matt Alonzo presents, Matt Alonzo presents, Matt Alonzo presents, you know, it got to the point where they were like, all right, you have to put Matt Alonzo and ski TV presents. <laughs> because, because it was, it was, it was becoming such a, like a, a thing that people knew. And so, you know, they were, they were like, no one's bigger than the company type of thing, which I understand, Get right? Um, but at the same time, there wasn't a ton of compensation. So I used that as like, okay, well, yes. I got to get more jobs. And um, so I forgot what the question was. No, no, no. It's, it's, all, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Right? So you go through this kind of uh, transition period in your in your life, right? Yeah. And, and that, you know, anytime you have transition in your life, it, it can be scary, right? You don't know what the future is going to hold. Yeah. Right. But so you, you go through this, you team up with this, with this lady. Right. And was there like a, a video or a piece of content where things really started to change again? Um, you know, I teamed up with her and then I also teamed up with um, Tara Razabi over at Happy Place, which was like the production company. You know, so I, she would get me the uh, Jamie Con Rabineau is was her name, was my agent's name. And uh, Happy Place was the production company. So um, Jamie would go get me videos we would get the video. They they would they would ask like what company's going to do it because if he directs it, still what company? They wanted to know because I didn't have my own company and you know I was so young at the time. So they would say this company, Happy Place, which everybody knew. So it, I got more jobs that way. Yeah. I I also had to pay more money because I had to pay both companies, but uh, it was it was well worth it for me. So we started getting a lot of jobs, and Tyler the Creator was coming out. I had already had a relationship with Chris Clancy because he was the one at Interscope giving us those videos. So when he went over to manage Tyler and left Interscope and they started Odd Future Records, um, he, we already had a relationship. So he looked to me. So those, you know, I did I did a few things with Tyler. I did a lot of music videos for Odd Future. So yeah. that was, that was um, those were very beneficial and... Um, and fun, you know? Yeah. And then some of the artists that I had already built relationships, like uh, Far East Movement, they had a couple other records that were really big records. The label actually, like, backed those records, and, and the budgets were, were, were very big. And then Game. So Game continued having records, and 
I was his go-to. So those kind of transferred over and we just kind of continued the process. It, you know, now thinking back, like realistically hearing you say that and like, oh, you know, change is, change is scary and stuff like that. Like it is. It is. And I think if it would have happened now, I would be a little bit more <laughs> like uh, in tune with my emotions and stuff. But back then I just was like, I don't know, head down. I'll just edit and pretend nothing exists well when you're young you're naive man you don't know any yeah. different and not that you were stupid right by any means but when you're young you just don't know and and it's, but it's it helped me it does yeah. of course of course i remember at the beginning of the podcast you're talking about when you were younger it was like you worked at the gap you did this this and this and it's like you did all of these things right the moment and it's like the drive and the hunger that you have not that you don't have it as an adult but you get stuck in your ways you build your life you create these things yeah. right and it's just like but when you're younger you're just like go 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 well, go i mean unfortunately and fortunately i'm still the same way probably yeah. why i don't have a wife and children uh, <laughs> which is you know both both uh, a gift and a curse probably more of a curse than anything else but yeah. that's just what was instilled in me you know um and you know like i said both my parents being you know from broken homes probably yeah. had something to do with it and um and uh just kind of the work ethic like work 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 like make something of your life was pretty much instilled in me uh don't relax so and just keep pushing i mean and that's such that, that's so great and positive to have that in your life and to have you know your mother and father instill that and especially in a day and age where you know a lot of people <sighs> you know go through their own shit dude i, I mean i lost my pops at 17 and Sorry you know all it's I actually life, just man. lost my my mother. If you notice, I I put I have mom here. I just lost her uh, like a month ago. Dude, I'm, so what happened? If you don't mind me asking, um, overdose. Okay. Yeah, overdose, but it was out of nowhere. So it was uh, I was in Atlanta shooting, shooting um some stuff for uh, like a branded series that we're shooting over at Phase Clan. Yeah. And I got that call, so uh, it was life changing. So I can't imagine, and like, and to be honest. I've had a hard time relating to anybody or like really not necessarily relating, but talking to people who, who can't empathize truly with how I'm feeling, you know? So like even, and I know this kind of sucks to say, but like, I want to ask you so many questions now because yeah. like, I'm like, you know, does it ever get better? Like what, like, do they come to you in dreams? Like all these things that you can't, you know? So I kind of like look for people who, I get that, you know, uh, had somebody in their life pass away just because like, it's, this is the scariest thing I've ever had to deal with. hundred percent, man. You know, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're 17, 36, 37, 40, 50, 60, 70, whenever you lose a parent, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. And does it get better? I mean, anything in life, man, as, as time goes on, things do get better, but the pain is always there. For me, for a very long time, I didn't work through that pain. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if I wore it like a badge, which was kind of dumb of me because I, I, it just caused a lot of issues, especially like being young, losing my dad, right? And it, it took me down a very dark path for a very long time. And then eventually I, uh, I found an amazing therapist that allowed me to really dive deep inside and, and work through all of that trauma and and it fucking sucked man for like six months i put my wife through hell trying to work through that shit because it's hard yeah it's hard and i totally understand what you're going through my dad i mean he died of a massive heart attack but he drank like a fish smoked like a fish he killed himself yeah. right um and uh 
and and it and it and it and it sucks. But time does does heal it. But the number one thing I can say is you got to work through it. Yeah, you know, thankfully I'm I'm very tapped into psychology. I absolutely love it. And more, you know, originally it was more so for um, learning about the audience, learning about my you know how to manipulate, I guess, via my films like whatever my projects were i mean that's essentially what you're doing you're manipulating the audience to buy the product you're manipulating the art like the the audience to like the artist that's just what you're doing you know like when it all boils down to it and so learning psychology learning about you know trauma um broken homes what what are the outcomes you know and it's all it's all pretty much i mean yes there's some outliers but it's it's pretty much you know the stats are there right the data is there um and so and then the evolution of that became looking deeper in myself. Yes. Um, and then realizing like, oh, I, I definitely have OCPD. Like it's not OCD where I, I like uh, open the door seven times. It's perfectionism. Yeah. Um, and that's like, and that's like the worst thing to have as an editor or as a filmmaker because you need to be decisive. You need to make your choices and live with them instead of like, well, is there something better to do? Like, and then questioning yourself. Like I've had to send money back because I've edited like seven versions of a video and I felt all of them were shitty, which yeah. Right. Like it's, it's, (laughs) I didn't, I didn't think anything was wrong with me. Like I didn't think, I thought that was like a natural thing, (laughs) you know, until I, until I started like diving deep and I got a therapist and she was like, yeah, I I, I found out some, uh, some way, but as soon as I found out, I was like, Oh, I want to read everything about it and, and really look into like what's going on with me. And I thought everyone wanted to clean their room all the time. <laughs> uh, and then I learned like, no, you just want to clean when you're anxious or when you have a project due. So you like do something else because you don't want to, you're terrified of the project not being perfect. And I'm like, whoa, all right. Yeah. yeah. So I've been able you know, to, to definitely tap into all that. And, and I've been, I've been taking it as it comes with, you know, all the emotions and things that are going on. And I'm, you know, I think the best thing that I read was, you're never going to be the same person. Right. And, um, so don't even, it's not about like getting over it or anything. It's a, it's a, you need to ask yourself when you, when when you're ready, like, who are you now? And you know, how how are you going to, to live with this grief? Like, how are you going to live with it? Cause it's not going to go away. Right. Like, and you're not going to go back to that innocent person you were before. Um, and so that was like, put, put things into perspective for me. So I didn't try to like, I'm not thinking about like, oh, I, I got to get back to being this. I'm never going to be that, no. you know, um, not like I'll never be myself, but I'm a different version. You are. Yeah. You are. You're, you're, you are a different person because for so long it's like mom is in my life. Mom is like, you know, and then eventually it happens to all of us. However, it happens. There comes a time when our parents, you know, pass away. And um, the pain, though, it's a it's, that, it's something you just cannot describe. No. It's in my sister, I have a younger sister. And so like, we're both going through it and we'll call each other and we'll just be like, we'll just be in like in awe of like how deep it is. Like, why does it hurt so, so bad? Um, Which no one can relate to unless you've Unless you've gone through it. I mean, it's, I remember the cries that I would do for for you, dude, so deep, so like I did not know I could cry that same, much, same, or like that deep. Like I didn't that know deep. I could. I didn't even know I had a place down there. Yeah, that could be broken. Yeah. That's what like trips me out, you know. Because yeah. I thought I've been hurt before, but it's it's like a loss. It's like a I don't know, you know. But they say like you know, 
all animals and everything like you know it's just it's part of part of the process but like they're a piece of you it's it's, it's nuts did you did that ever come to you in dreams not dreams but a dmt experience okay i might need um, to try that so um i uh five years ago actually today i had um did i i don't know if i actually told you i, I was telling someone maybe tyler i don't fucking know but five years ago today, I, oh, I know who I was. I was getting a massage today and I just told my <laughs> massage therapist. <laughs> Sorry. Um, five years ago today, I was on an airplane flying to go visit my mother in Jersey. And um, I started like throwing up uncontrollably. And by the time I landed, I was start, I was bleeding out of every part of my body. Wow. And I got rushed to the hospital and I was having massive internal bleeding. And for two weeks they couldn't figure out what was going on and so the, they were giving me so many blood transfusion blood transfusion blood transfusion and eventually i caught a terrible infection while i was in there and i was put on life support Whoa. i was trached the whole mass i couldn't breathe on my own it was fucking terrible and do you um, remember any of that experience or I, were you I, like I, uh, they put you into a, uh, a no a lot of it i, I do remember wow. a lot of it i do um but uh what what had happened was is uh, I had made peace that I was going to die because I really like thought this was it. And um, after about being three weeks in there, my my wife um, says, um, I'll be back in a couple hours. I'm going to go to the hotel. She stayed by my side, but my mom got a hotel next to the to the, to the the hospital. And um, she says, I'm going to go shower. I'll be right back. And I couldn't talk, dude. I, I mean, I'll show wow. you pictures afterwards, dude. And um, she went. She was gone for a couple hours. And... She comes walking in and comes walking and my, my, my brother comes walking into my sister and I didn't know they were coming. Obviously they were coming. Right. But like she had surprised yeah. me and, um, and, and, and I have that video and it came up with my wife's time hop today. Right. And so, and then, and, and uh, something switched inside of me and I was, I've got to fucking live. Right. Wow. About a week later, I ended up getting released. They found out what was going on with me and they got the infection down and, but for the longest time for about th four months i couldn't grasp why i was still alive and um and i i started having thoughts in my head of like wanting to off myself and i remember i flew out to um new orleans for like an event and um while i was out there i uh, i got all fucked up and i had a britney moment i shaved my head shaved my eyebrow shaved my beard off i wow. fucking snapped bro wow. i literally snapped and um i i, I fucking look like a wet seal I was it like, was shaving <laughs> the head i get but like well i just want to know what's going through your brain like fuck it bro, i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. bro i was i was just gone dude yeah. i was just i was a shell of myself and I remember my friend said he, he had some DMT for me and he said, whenever the time is right, you'll know it. So I get back into town looking like a fucking wet seal. Oh my God. I ended up purchasing like fake eyebrows that look like caterpillars. Oh my God. Bro, this is crazy, man. This, I mean, this shit, like it, it'll snap you, dude. And, um, and so I, I go to, go to his house and, um, I take the first hit, the second, the third, the fourth hit and I'm laying on the bed and, and I just get into this other fucking dimension yeah and I, and I remember looking up and, and and i saw these eyes and they were my father's eyes and i was talking with him but like telepathically it's kind of yeah. weird right um and, and i was like crying and saying dad i'm it's it's i i just want to die like I, I can't fucking do this anymore i don't understand why i'm alive and 
And he goes, Brock, it's not your time. You have a lot. You have a lot to do. You have a lot to give this world. It is not your time. And the last time he said that, I was back in reality. Crazy. And those feelings of wanting to kill myself evaporated, melted. Amazing. It was the most surreal experience. And then there's one more, one more, right? I was... um, my, my, my friend and I were at this gas station. We were ready to go on this camping trip and meet up with some friends. And we're, we're sitting at um, the gas station. We're talking. He's talking to me about numerology, right? Yeah. Like about numbers and the signs yeah. and the patterns. And the next thing I know, we're like 45 minutes sitting at a gas station, right? Like, because I was just like so enthralled, right? And I was like, I got to go to the bathroom, right? So um, I go inside. I ask the guy, um, where's the restroom? And it was like, when I walked in, it was like cold inside, yeah. but like comforting. It was weird. I go into the bathroom and, and I remember I, and I was like, I was like, dad, if, if you're listening to me, just, just show me a sign. Right. And so like, I'm, I'm taking a piss and, and, and as I'm saying that, right, I see my, my favorite, my lucky number is three, right? I see etched into the, the, the toilet, right? Like someone wrote a three and I'm like, yeah, fuck that. Right. That's, yeah. that's just there. Right. And I was like, yeah, right, like in my head. And as I start to look down at the toilet, that I swear to fucking God, it was like someone cut a three out of a napkin perfectly. What? Put it in there? I don't know, bro. It would, bro, this was not like, so I don't fucking, and dude, I started crying, like just crying. And I'm like, I, I, bro, is that coincidence? I don't fucking know what yeah. it is, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Very weird. We're talking about numerology. Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Like, I don't know. I don't but know. The tears, the tears cemented it. Bro, it, it, like, it was, it was. Whatever those are called, grief attacks or whatever the fuck they're called, they're like, they're assigning itself, right? Like, uh, and you uh, asked a question, so. I mean, I got the answer. Yeah. So regardless if it was real, a figment of my mind, whatever the fuck it was, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was real. It was real to me. Yeah. And I can, dude, I can feel it feel in it. here. Yeah. No, I, 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 I can understand that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Is that, yeah. You know, and then the fact like you ask something, right? Like, cause I, those things come over me sometimes Yeah. in the middle of a fucking, you know, zoom meeting. Right. And they're so powerful. But if I were to ask something and then hit that, like, right, like. And then, you know, sees a couple of signs. Yeah. It's weird, bro. And I mean, there have been plenty of times where I'm like, dad, show me a sign. Nothing happens. Yeah. Nothing happens. Uh, my little sister was like, I asked my mom, I asked mom to come to me for my birthday and she didn't come in my dreams. I'm like, I don't think it works that way. I don't think it does. <laughs> I don't think it works that I don't. way. You know? I mean, that'd be amazing. I know. That's what I said. That would be amazing. I was like, that, yeah, yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. And, but I'd be I, just asking every night. Hey, yeah. hey, 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 come visit me. I think it happens when you need it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they know. Right. If there's something after this, you know, when we pass and afterlife, whatever it is, right. Um, or if it's just energy, whatever the fuck it is, man, it's like these things happen when you need it. And, uh, and I needed it, man. So, you know, when they say time heals all pain, it does, it does, you know, yeah. working through it was, it was the hardest thing for me, but the best thing for me. Yeah, it seems like you had a lot, like a lot built up there, I right? Did. Like. A lot of things, you know. Luckily, my family was very commun- like we had open communication. Sometimes yeah. too much or, or whatever. But um, but my parents and I, I commend my parents because they had absolutely no role model. Like they had no sort of 
place to grab this information from. Yeah. You know, but like when I was six, I'd get grounded. They would come in and say, this is why you're grounded. How do you feel? Right. Like give me the opportunity to plead my case, to have a voice. They would listen. They wouldn't make fun of me. They wouldn't (laughs) like tell me not to talk. Right. They probably laugh once they got out because I I don't think I should be grounded because I ate my Brussels sprout or whatever. Right. Like, but I was given the opportunity to communicate and, 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 and praise for that. So like, so to keep all this communication open and, and to be able to like, you know, say what was, I learned naturally that I could say what I felt. Sometimes that that's a, a curse, right? Like, uh, but it's beautiful, man. Yeah, not in business meetings. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had to learn how to like, uh, you know, when and when not to use that uh, power of mine. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But I definitely, um, it definitely helps in, in times like this. But I don't think there's really, there's any, there's no right or wrong way, and there's really no sort of help in, in this circumstances. No, it just be, but vocal. it does comfort me to be honest. Like I said, it's very weird to say. Yeah. But like it comforts me to be in the presence of somebody else who understands that. A hundred percent. Which it, it's it's kind of like a fucked up thing to say. Yeah. But it is what it is, right? Uh, absolutely. Because uh, I just feel very like no one gets it. But then when you're, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It, it makes the world of difference. Because the thing is, is like when you're in your 30s, most people don't lose their pain. When you're 50s, 60s, right? That, okay, that makes more sense, right? Yeah. Uh, when you're a teenager, like, like there's, I mean, we, we know how long people live on average, right? And we know at what age people tend to have kids, right? So let's say your kids had, your parents had you at 30, right? Your parents had you way younger, but yeah, like, uh, I have very young, but on average people have it, you know, like 30 right now, whatever, whatever that exact number is, right? So, uh, and on average people live 70, 80 years old, depending if you're male or female. So by the time you're 50 is when you should yeah. lose your parent, right? Not 37. Yeah, no, for sure. It was, you know, it's uh, definitely a challenge, you know, so. And you'll work through it, brother. You'll, yeah. It, time, yeah. it yeah, will get easier. That. Time time does heal everything. One, I asked another friend of mine, and uh, she's an older lady, and she lost her son, actually. Um, and I think she kind of described it the best was nothing ever makes me truly as happy as I was when he was alive. And so I think that's kind of like a good, like I'm, like it's never gonna be the same, right? Like my high, my highest high is never gonna reach higher than what it was when she was here or when he was here. Absolutely. I think. I mean, you're still gonna get up there. You're still gonna enjoy your life, but I think that kind of at least not like I, I, I'm very optimistic about life, but I'm very yeah. real with my expectations as well. You know? I, I would say for her that makes sense, right? Yeah. But for you, if and I hope you do, right? Ever have kids? Yeah, no, I want them. Right. Ladies. Like, come on, come on. Call in, please. Call in. Call- <laughs> <laughs> this is an infomercial. <laughs> yeah, limited, limited time. Limited time. Limited <laughs> time. For a limited time, you get a special <laughs> gift. But, you know, a parent losing a kid, like that's, I mean, a kid losing a parent, a parent losing a kid. Oof. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it kind of, kind of reverses as, of the, course. As, as, as you get older. And so, you know. Um, yeah. But, I, you, you know, know. I, I get it, man. Yeah. I got so, you, bro. I but, you. yeah. Time heals everything, brother. I don't know. I mean, I don't, yeah. It does. It does. Or it makes you forget, which... Not like forget about No. That, but... Well, you well, do. Like, you, know, you know what you heals is working through it. And that takes time. Yes, so, it does. Because so you could have... We could have ignored shit for like forever. Time didn't do anything. No, it right? didn't. Well, dude, for... Uh, and I just worked through this two years ago. I'm 36, wow. right? So I was 34. Um, Man. I, I couldn't talk about my dad without crying. I couldn't bring up a conversation without bawling my fuck. I couldn't hear the song without bawling. Wow. Now I can do that. But, but that took a long time. Yeah, and and you know, crying is not 
bad thing. No, I love crying. You know, I'm a but cry I'm sure baby. that I'm sure that cut off a lot of your other emotional, you know, senses as well. And then you're probably less emotional in your relationship and very rigid in other things. Yes. The snowball effect. Right? Of course. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's amazing um just how much uh emotions control everything yeah i mean we let uh, we let the emotions get the best of us a lot of times well my dad always told me your emotions mean nothing and your uh your responsibilities are number one my dad was very militant (laughs) so like my like because he meant more like if you wake up and you want to be lazy fuck that you have a list of things to do once you're done you can be lazy but like just because you don't want to do it means nothing nothing Nothing. so that's what i'm you know more so but that kind of uh, as a kid, I didn't understand the nuances to emotions. So that just kind of was a blanket statement for all my emotions. So, yeah, yeah you know, you can ask some of my ex-girlfriends, like, he is not emotional at all. You know, I get it, man. I get it. We all work through shit differently and we all look at life differently. Of course. So not to take a topic off of your mom, but I, I want to oh, go back no, to yeah, the story, of course, right? Of course. Um, okay. So you, you end up, um, you know, leaving ski, you sign with this thing, right? Yep. You sign, sign. Right. So what happened after that? You started to go out, you know, on your own. You had yeah, these experiences. I mean, so I, I guess I kind of jumped one portion of this midway through, you know, being with Ski. An agent from ICM reached out to me, which ICM is one of the, I don't know, even know if they're still around, but. They're huge. Or were huge. They were huge, right? Yeah. So they were one of like the top, what were they, like manage, management? I believe I think, management, right? yeah. Yeah. So they were like, we want to rep you as a feature film director. And, um, I was like, okay. I called my dad. I'm like, dad, ICM uh, wants me. He's like, what is ICM? Had, you know, my dad my dad works for the city of Santa Barbara. Like he didn't have uh, any sort of knowledge of ICM. I'm like, I don't know. He's like, okay, cool. Well, you should look it up, you know, whatever. So, uh, so I was with ICM for like four years and this kind of like overlapped leaving ski and then being on my own. So, um, and I was up for a bunch of feature films, never really made one because my agent was like, yo, you got to get a $20 million movie. I'm like, who's going to give a 24-year-old kid a $20 million movie with Denzel Washington? And I don't even know how to speak properly yet. I can't even, <laughs> you know, button my shirt up or whatever, right? So, um, but that that kind of just like reiterated what I wanted to do and like as far as going into features and really just, but music videos were just so uh, easy. Yes. And they were literally like, I didn't have to go search for them. They were coming to my door. So I continued that path. Um, and then I decided to just create my own company, Martin Otters Creative. Um, I had my logo made, which was an MA. And I started this company when I did the little Wayne thing, um, because I had my logo and I, I, I hated my friends like saying, yeah, I work for Matt Alonzo film. So I was like, all right, modern artists. So, like I had to think of a name that would fit with the logo. Cause yeah. I didn't want to change my logo at the time. <laughs> uh, so, so that, so I actually like created LLC and like really did that. So we, I did a ton of jobs you know, on my own. And then like the bigger jobs I would do with, with them. And that went on for, for a while. Yeah. For a long time, you know, I did a lot of, of, of big, big videos and, you know, I dabbled in, in other, other fields. Um, and eventually I wasn't writing on anything. Like I just didn't want to write because, you know, you have to create a whole presentation for every song and, you you might not get it like you're the likelihood of you getting it is one in 50 yeah <laughs> so writing four or five of these a month it was just like i don't want to do that you know so I, so i told her like i don't really want to write so we started doing like single bids basically she would go and be like if you want matt to write he has to be the only person to write on this and so that you know that was like hit or miss 
And it got to a point where she's like, look, you know, these jobs are coming in. Do you want to write? And I was just like, no, no, no. And she's like, all right, well, if you're not going to write anymore, like I can't rep you because, um, you know, right. And I totally understood. I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to waste a roster spot when there's somebody else who's, who's as hungry as I was five years ago. It's not fair. Um, and so I just started doing my own thing and, and yeah, so I did that for a while and, uh, I did at that point I decided like, all right, I want to start teaching a little bit because teaching was always like, you know, I didn't have a mentor. Uh, I kind of pissed, pissed all my potential mentors <laughs> off when I came in and undercut them because they were the ones doing the $250,000 videos. Yeah. And I came in and did $10,000 videos and they were like, forget this guy. Yeah. Right. And then I'm like, no, what do you mean? Like, I want to learn from you. They're like, like, no. Yeah. You're my competition and you're undercutting. You know what I mean? They would actually be really mad at me. Sometimes they would come on set and be like, I'm supposed to be shooting this video and all this. Stuff. I'm like, I, cause I didn't know they had relationships with the artists prior to my existence in, into the industry. And, and, uh, and they chose to go with the cheaper guy and, uh, the, the younger guy or whatever. Yeah. Right. And so, so that didn't really work, but I, I, since I didn't have it and I knew how, how pivotal it, it is or it can be to somebody's career or somebody's life. I, I just wanted the opportunity to be that for somebody else. So, um, I did a class with Ap aperture, lighting uh, when they were like really small um but we did you know i did a master class with them wow. i did a lot of youtube tutorials with my buddy josh uh to, he has a tutorial channel on youtube it's actually really really big what's so, it called um uh, i can't think of it right now because he changed his i think he changed his name uh, i forgot it's all good Dang, I gotta look that up. Yeah, because yeah, 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 yeah. he, he actually just sent me a wedding invitation. So thank hey, you Tyler, look that up. Oh wait, he's not here anymore. Okay, oh, it's all right. <laughs> uh, made by Olafemi, but I think it's Olafemi Tutorials now. So okay, there we go. Yeah, so I was doing a lot of uh, tutorials on his channel. Uh, it, he actually used to work at Santa Barbara um, City College, and he, I went up there, talked to all the kids, and and I was like you know, really excited about that. So any of these opportunities, I just took. You know, and then the one we did with Aperture, we had kids driving from Mexico, kids driving from Maine. You know, the line was just around the block. It was packed. You know, we had sponsors by Red, like everybody was there. And it was a, uh, it was like a really cool thing. You know, um, I got to show lighting setups and really like answer questions. And, and so I just kind of made that like a focus of, you know, of kind of what I was doing from social media to, you know, to, to real life events. Um, and a lot of like, I started the split screen thing where I was showing kind of like what, the set looks like and then what the final product looked like which really helped a lot of kids because they were able to be like oh he's not shooting with this sort of camera it's only two lights and it looks that good i can do that wow. and that's kind of what i wanted to achieve by doing that <laughs> i just wanted to give hope to all these kids because i started getting a lot of messages like I, if i had a camera like that then i could maybe make some films or all i have is this camera so i can never do anything and i'm like dude it doesn't matter but like me telling them that in a message goes you know, so far, and then them being able to see it in the split screen goes, you know, further. Yes. Um, and then being able to show them on set, like in real life, goes even further. Yeah. So that that became a priority. And then I did like the film league, which I created myself, where I had like I don't know fifty, seventy kids come, and we did you know, a whole day of you know, filmmaking, film school essentially. Wow. Um, so that was cool. And, um, and then the pandemic hit, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was going to, you know, I was gearing up for another one. Um, and, and just kind of, I kind of backed away from big, big label videos as the pen a little bit before, but 
once the pandemic hit, I was just, there was no way I was going to go where it has met to be around my friends. Yes. I mean, because re realistically, like, yeah, I'm making a, a video or I'm shooting it on set, but it's also a time to like socialize and, and, you know, be around my, my, my friends and have yes. the camaraderie and stuff. So with all that taken away, it just didn't, it didn't present anything I wanted to be a part of. You know what I mean? I, get that, yeah. um, I saw some of my friends out there with like hazmats. And I'm just like, there's no way. Yes. Um, but, but thankfully, and you know, for me, I had a lot of uh, friends who were independent artists who still needed to shoot stuff still needed to be made. And so I just did that for like the whole time. Was that hard? Like, you know, especially when the pandemic hit, like I, I know like a lot of creators, like even like my wife, right? Makeup artist, union, works on big movies, films. is just like. But that was union, see? So for me, it was, uh, you know, I, I went away from anything that had any sort of structure to it. Smart. Right? And so just paper bag money, me, a camera, maybe another person or a couple people, go get an Airbnb, do whatever, right? Like, yeah. I wasn't really, I didn't really, I, I wasn't really worried about getting sick. Like I got sick, you know, once a year. I yes. knew that was going to happen. But I wasn't like, I wasn't, you know, overly scared of anything. Like, so I was, I mean, I was out there, no mask, just shooting. I get I didn't it. Care. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, 100%. I'm going to get sick. Like, it is what it is. Absolutely. Life goes on. Right? It does. And it so, does. and I had that mentality and better or worse, whatever, I made it through. Right? Absolutely. Especially once all the data came out. Like, it just, I mean, don't even, let's not get me started. Yeah. Okay? Yeah, yeah. I get it. You I get know? it. I get it. But, uh, <laughs> and I respect everyone's, like, you of know, course. But I just, like, if they wanted me to wear a mask, I'm not shooting there. 100%. Uh, you know, so I did a couple things with Matt, and then after that, I was just like, I'm not walking around with this fucking painter's mask on. No, like, and I can't breathe. Like, I'm just like, I can't even breathe. Isn't it supposed to help me breathe? <laughs> uh, and then I realized, like, oh, then I read all the data about like once you touch it once, it's just no longer good. I see people just, you know, I'm wearing them as a chin strap. I'm, it's, it's on my my hand half the time, and then I'm putting it back on like it's really doing something. You know yes. what I mean? Just to go around, just to go into corporate office. Uh, I just found it hilarious, and and I just didn't fall in with all that. Like I said, thankfully. And, you know, I had enough friends and, and people in, in places that needed shit done. Yeah. And so everybody, uh, you know, just came to me and we, we got stuff done. So yeah. it was definitely a challenge. It was definitely, you know, uh, I think like everybody else, I mean, it's just something you never experienced, you know? No, what I mean? not so, at all. I mean, it's, it, it's, fuck, man. I remember when it all first started and you just like drive on the streets. It's like ghost town, man. It was so weird. And you know, you, in the first week too, you're like, this, you know, okay. Like when's this thing over? And I then, know. And then, I mean, it literally felt like a blink of an eye. And then it's like, everybody's two years older now. Like the kids are now, you know, in whatever school or whatever. It, it just kind of trips me out even now. Cause like, sometimes I skip that portion of it when I think about like, you know, leading up and i'm like oh yeah this and they're like no that was like four years ago i'm like oh yeah shit. isn't that weird right? yeah it's a trip it's, it's like a, a blink of a fucking eye in the moment it's like so strange but now it's like we're through it and it's like towards the end there though i was like fuck freelancing and having my own company i, I want to go work for a company yeah which i had never done since i left ski and even ski wasn't corporate i never went to the office i had an office and a computer desk everything and i just <laughs> Never went at that time because I was just so young. But I'm like, I want to be around that. And and hopefully, you know, within that atmosphere, I can I can mentor some younger colleagues and and just kind of have the camaraderie and the team team teamwork environment that um, that I had been without for so long. Because like I'm working by myself. I'm editing by myself. Yes, I have like my producers and people like that, but everyone's working remotely. I was just tired of being alone. Yes. You know, so I wanted to go 
the complete opposite direction and something I had never done. So I put my resume together, which I had never done uh, my entire time, you know, 15 years, 16 years out here. So that was, uh, you know, experience. Oh, it, it's, uh, it's atrocious. You know what I mean? And then I, then I'm learning about like how they, how they scan them in and like the keywords and like, I'm like, I'm like, how do I, how am I not <laughs> getting any jobs? Like I got nothing. I mean, I'm talking like nothing, Damn. you know, and I was, I was doing like a thousand a day. Like, a, like just submitting. I mean, yeah. I was sending them everywhere, but I, you know, and my resume's format was horrible. Like it didn't have any of the, you know, proper verbiage, like whatever. But I'm just like, somebody's going to see this that knows me or like knows of me or like maybe know like somehow. Right. Uh, but no, it didn't work. And uh, <laughs> one of the guys that started Ski TV with me, uh, Kai Henry, he was, you know, one of the C swings. Oh, one of the C wings over at, um, Face Clan, which is like uh, yeah. one of the biggest esports company in, in the world, or at least in America. Massive. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a cultural company. I had no idea what Face Clan yeah. was. All I knew is that he was going into an office every day that that looked like, you know, it was it was moving. Uh, and I was like, I want to be there. So I just hit him up. And, and like, you know, he's busy. I'm busy. Like, you know, a lot of times we talk to people and <clears throat> kind of make plans, but not make plans. And then like, oh, yeah, we'll do that. You know, whatever. We'll meet up. We'll do and I was just persistent on his ass. Like, yo, yo, yo. And, and and he's like, I've never seen you like that. You know what I mean? Because I'm usually the guy that's like, stuff comes to me yes. a, lot, a lot. But I was just like, I want, I see an opportunity. Yes. Just like the little Wayne thing or anything else. Like my my, my hunger arose. And uh, yeah, eventually he uh, he said, come over and come come to this house. I met all the 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 founders of FaZe Clan and FaZe like Banks and all those dudes. Uh, Banks wasn't there, but like yeah. Rain and yeah. Adapt and everybody. And I just still didn't know what the fuck the company <laughs> did. I didn't know anything, you know, he's like branded content. I want him to do branded content. And, you know, he had, he had Kai really came into that company and, and brought structure and uh, brought in Snoop Dogg and brought in all these big brand deals. Cause that, I mean, he, I met him when he was Snoop's manager and David Banner's manager. He was the first thing I ever did at Ski TV. We, He's, he's like, yo, we're going to go shoot this behind the scenes at Chris Brown's music videos, Chris Brown and David Banner and um, Young Jock. And he was directing that, but he was also uh, David Banner's manager. And we had, you know, we had years of of working together. And uh, and so I'm like, still don't know what this this company is. He's like, I want you to go go to the office now and meet the, the rest of the company, uh, the corporate side or whatever. And mind you, like, I'd never been in an office in my life. Like, never. Yeah. Uh, besides like the company, you know, the infomercial company, but that wasn't, that didn't count. <laughs> so, I mean, although our company is very, uh, very like laid back and stuff, it was still something very new for me, you know? And so they were like, yeah, you know, we have all these things going. Uh, all these people kind of, kind of got thrown into their positions, especially with like the pandemic and coming out of it. And then this company kind of just being, just being elevated i guess up to this this new level of business in terms of like getting all these brand deals and sponsorships and and um and contracts with like yearly deliverables and stuff as far as like content with the brands and uh so yeah so they're like yeah here's a position for you and uh let's go and i'm like okay but i knew nothing i mean i haven't played a video game since duck hunt <laughs> you know what i mean but thankfully like a lot of the stuff i do is just branded content that really has nothing to do with gaming it's yeah. more like lifestyle stuff um and um it, it just uses them as the talent but coming from music videos from like 
50 naked girls running around on set. You know, you got you got artists and everyone's partying, drinking, doing whatever. Uh, it's wild, you know, to to phase rug sitting on a couch like, all right, guys, you guys ready for me? It, it was it's, <laughs> it was, you know, it definitely tripped me out a little bit. It took me a little bit of time to kind of get used to it, you know, because their personalities are so subdued compared to. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've shot rappers, R&B singers, uh, rock, you know, Chris Cornell. He was very soft spoken as well. But uh-huh. um, rest in peace. Uh, but uh, these guys are a whole different uh whole different beast isn't it kind of crazy right to oh, think it's mind-blowing like e-game like e-sports like, like and we can't even have these kids leave their house sometimes because they make more money sitting at home like like not sitting at home because they're obviously streaming and doing whatever they're doing but like in order for them to come on set it has to be w- w- worth the time and literally within like money like right like not like hey it's worth your time if you come out to this thing no it literally has to equal or be more than what they're going to make in that span of time sitting on their stream which for some of them is a lot of money a lot of money i mean who would have thought right when, when i still we don't think i still can't even like it's, it's hard to comprehend right yeah and i try to explain it to people and like you know just just friends or family or sometimes uber drivers are like what are you guys shooting i'm like trying to tell them they're like well, from video games i'm like yes it's surreal like working with phase right and doing all that what is like what is like a day in the life like a lot of a lot of meetings Wait, really? Yeah, it's very corporate. So not very, I wouldn't say very corporate, but very structured. And that's kind of the way you have to have it that way. At first, I was a little, uh, what's the word? I don't know the exact word for it, but I was just kind of, I could do that. Why are we, why are we meeting? You know, I was just, you know, I was, I was bucking the system a little bit, right? Like, yeah. and, um, you know, like, oh, these editors, oh, we can do this and we can do that. And like, I can edit it all and all this stuff. And. And then I realized like, okay, no, it takes this whole team and like this whole machine and this whole process, which they kind of brought me in to like help the process materialize and like figure out where we can take out things, how uh, ideas come from, from, you know, from the, from the sales team to the creative team, to, to the production team, to the post team. Um, and, and like how all that works and, 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 and be able to complete these tasks. Um, so, but, but in order to do that, you have to meet with every department, um, and you can't do it all together because no one will, you know, you, it'll be a, a really long meeting and everyone, no one will get anything in because there's so many people on the call. So a lot of calls and, you know, and then, like I said, I mean, really a, a day looks like, okay, we got a project from the sales team. They want to do a, a video for phase, one of phases partners, which is like ghost or. Uh, there's a we have a ton of a MoonPay and um, all these big brands that have done partnerships with us and who expect a certain amount of deliverables throughout the year. So they say, hey, we we need a, a tournament, which I don't really f- focus on, but like we need a tournament. We need all these different things. We need a branded piece of content. This is kind of like the idea, um, and then it goes to the creative team, which are a bunch of you know young kids who are you know have the most amazing ideas because they really don't have any sort of um, I guess like stru- in their mind, they don't have any sort of like cutoff. Like for me, I'm like, how much is the budget? Okay. This much, we can only do this. Yeah. They think anything's possible, which is like, it's like the truest form. It's very, you know, I, I wish I could do that, yeah. you know? Um, but then I take it and then I put some structure to it 
you know, and then and then we go into production with it. And it's just like a music video or any any other, you know, form of, of content, but you're shooting for a, a square. That's crazy. And these are big budgets these are these are budgets that are bigger than music videos. And you're shooting for an Instagram video or for a TikTok or for a, a Twitter video. Which is, is is it's a trip. Yes. Are you filming this stuff still? Or are you yeah. just oh. I mean, I, you know, it just depends. You yeah. know what I mean? But you know, the bigger jobs, I'll bring in my, my my same crew from you know music videos. I'll bring in a bunch of these guys who obviously we do a bunch of other things, but like that's where they I have worked with them in the past or on other projects. But yeah, I bring in these crews and I try not to touch the camera as much as possible. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes I still do, um, especially if like we're having like because the talent. It's amazing because music videos and uh, the one thing that is the same is that the talent wants to leave as soon as they get there. So whether it's esports <laughs> or music videos, at least in my experience, which is a long time, uh, they always want to go home as soon as they get there. And even when they show up for their own stuff. Wow. Yeah. Which is, uh, <laughs> you know, I learned, I learned a lot of tricks on how to, how to, how to help that. But, uh, you'd be surprised. You know, you've got these artists coming for an eight day, like we have an eight day music video planned and the artist touched down is like, all right, like how many takes we got? You know, and you're like, dude, we are not even like started yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is going to be a long day. Cause so you, you know, but the, but the same thing with, with, cause they're talent. They, and then these guys, they actually have a reason to want to leave. Cause like they're losing money as the clock ticks. It's like, ching ching, you know what I mean? So, you know, so you try to be as efficient with their time as possible. So, um, but yeah, it's a trip, man. It is. It's, it's such a trip to think, you know, in 2022, almost 2023, e-game sports makes more than professional sports than, I mean, movies, like so many different it's, things. It's so surreal. It still can't, I still can't really wrap my head around it. You know, I just, yeah. It just, I don't like denial. Yeah, I get it. And you're full, you're all the way in it, man. I know, I know. You're, you're, you're head first in that shit. It, but the thing is, I don't really, I don't know gaming. So yeah. I don't know the, I'm not from a fan's perspective, like, sure. oh man, this guy, that guy just did whatever he yeah. did or whatever she did or whatever they did. Like, I have, yeah, <laughs> I have not. <laughs> <laughs> hope, hope that everyone has a couple Uh, <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know so i'm like oh okay you know because sometimes like some of my you know younger friends relative whatever like oh this you know you know they did a trick shot yeah. you know what i mean uh so so like i don't really have to, I'm, I'm really naive to all that stuff which i think in, in some essence helps helps me. i think it does yeah it does for you know sure i mean right I, I just treat them like everybody else because and that's that is the key yeah that is the key because once you start treating these people like they're God or they're all these special, you know, people want to just be treated like normal people. Yeah. No, and they really want to be treated like normal people. I mean, everybody, Bieber, like Chris Brown, everybody, everyone I've ever worked with, they don't, they actually kind of, I think it really pisses them off or like, you know, kind of discourages them from engaging with fans. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they want it, they want to work, they want to do whatever, but they really want you to be, they want to be recognized as human because they, their whole life they live through this persona right like yeah. um and yes it's still their name but like it's not really you know yeah. like i can't imagine what that's like you know yeah i mean imagine being justin bieber and being so famous for so long right it's he doesn't just, know what it's like you know yeah. and i worked with when i worked with bieber you know my experience with him was you know it was a great one he was a great kid i mean yeah. and everyone talks to him as like you know he's doing this and i'm like yeah what would you do at 14 with 
A hundred percent. hundred million dollars. You don't know who's your fucking friend. Yeah. Right? Because none of these people have been around. And it's not their fault, but it's just you got famous so young. So, yeah. like, all this stuff's going through your head and, like, you know, and you're acting out. Of course. You know, you're driving your fast car. Of fucking course. Right? Uh, but he was so polite, so nice. And, and the one thing that kind of trips me out is, like, the bigger the star, the more, I won't say self-conscious, but the more they ask me about their performance or, like, their outfit or hey's my hair look like they 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 ask for my reassurance which i would think would be kind of the opposite because like the bigger they are you would think like they know but it i found it to be the opposite and like the the the, the people who are i won't say nobody's but getting started or don't have uh all the accolades and fame and everything they're the ones who think they're the shit yes (laughs) which is uh it's very surprising you know what i mean but that's one thing i i remembered like does this look cool does this look cool matt i'm like Bro, you're Bieber. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to tell you? Like, you know, like anything you touch is cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're but, good, dude. You're yeah. good. You're good. You're good. But but they look for honest, like honest reassurance. You know what I mean? Like, because if you just say, yeah, you're cool. Like, they're like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, which is a trip, you know, but like, not really, because if you think about it, like everybody's opinion of them has made their, made them. Like, yeah. that's all they have. You know what I mean? So. That's so true, man. And I mean, just imagine if you were judged for everything you did as a kid. My gosh, the things that Justin Bieber did were one tenth the 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 shit that I did at yeah, that pissed, age. He pissed outside or something like what I don't remember what was going on at the time because this was back a few years back. But like, I'm like, dude, what are you? This, every kid's done, like, what are you talking about? A hundred percent. It's like on TMZ. Yeah, it's like, dude, yeah, Justin Bieber. Like, yeah. It's like so stupid, man. If I, yeah, if they did that to me in high school, like I said, I was crazy. Like when I, when I started, I, I said, oh, how would they describe me? Crazy. Right? Yes. So I didn't. Yeah, I was a Bieber times a thousand. Uh, <laughs> that's such a true statement for myself as well. Yeah. When you look back at all the insane things that you've done and the life that you've been able to live, what does it feel like to you? Hmm, that's a great question. I never thought about that one. I thought I came prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point right now, an unfinished product is what it feels like. Um, and I don't think it'll ever be finished, but I just feel like there's so much more outside of my career that I need to achieve. I've kind of, I've had a lot of highlights within that, but I can't say I've had, you know, equal or higher um, achievements outside of that because so much of my time has been devoted to my career. So, um, so I, when I say unfinished, I don't necessarily mean career-wise. I just mean as a human being. Yeah. Uh, not that it's my time to like stop because this is this is what I do. This is how I'm going to make my living. But as far as balancing it out is a little bit more of a priority now uh and uh and i think that will kind of bring everything into perspective and then allow me to you know make make choices that it maybe wouldn't make if it was just me as the sole dependent of my responsibility like all my choices right like yeah. if i had others like you know family or things where my choices mattered on a, a larger scale um you know, like I just feel like that part of, of, of my, ch- like the chapter or the book is missing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, cause it's, you know, it's cool for, for so long, but like it's, it gets to a point where it's like, all right, cause like, what do you, what are you really doing it for? Yeah. Right. I mean, that, your legacy and all that stuff, but you know, I don't know. I think there's more than that. There is. There's yeah. a lot more. So yeah. it just feels like a little, it just feels unfinished and, uh, you know, 
Well, it is. It's an unfinished book. You're 37, Absolutely. bro. You got yeah. a lot more time. Of course. And that's, you got a you lot know, more time, it's bro. Ex- it's exciting that, you know, I've come to that conclusion and I've I've already achieved so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that does feel good. And, you know, I do pat myself on the back, but I also work my ass off. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just feel like it's all, it's all, it all equals out. You know what I mean? Now, if I got all these accolades and all this stuff without working my ass off, maybe I would feel differently. Yeah. But, um, but I put the work in the trenches, so. Yeah, I mean, you should always be proud of yourself, right? Especially if you're putting in the hard well, work. Well, not always, because if you're digging not always. Around, okay, well, no, no, no. I'm saying the guy, like, the, guy the guy watching this on his couch is like, yeah, <laughs> I knew it. Always, mom, mom. What did you say? Rewind it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! You're funny. <laughs> it's so, so true, though. Yeah, yeah. You gotta be careful. Okay, here. I'll be careful what I say. But um, you know, as we start to wrap this up, right? Um. What do you want to be remembered for? Somebody who inspired others, somebody who, um, you know, made a road when there wasn't one there so that others could follow and, um, and then gave the tools to the people to continue making those, you know, those down the road when I wasn't there, even if they took away from my, you know, food on my plate, right? Like, um, and I feel like I'm, I'm doing that, you know, and I'm definitely continue to like give back as much as I can and, and, and make new, you know, make new groundbreaking, like, um, you know, achievements in, in, in the field and just allow other opportunities for others to be created, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I loved what you were talking about earlier about with the kids, man, to, you know, giving back. And I, and I absolutely love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, yes, I kind of screwed up their budgets for a little, a little amount of time as far as getting like, okay, everyone got opportunities now, which they wouldn't have before, but the $10,000 music videos and shooting on the red camera, there's a whole crop of new directors and, and people who wouldn't have gotten an opportunity, uh, if we didn't break that barrier. Um, but it definitely kind of hindered the budgets as well. So, you know, I mean, it's always a, a a positive and a negative, but uh, you know, as soon as I could, as soon as I realized, like you know, people were watching me, younger kids were watching me. I was an inspiration to others. Then I wanted to give as much knowledge as I could, and just hearing from them, they're like, most people don't do this in your position, and they don't give the details that you give. And I'm like, because they're scared. I, I would imagine scared of that other person taking their job. Yeah, but I feel like that's the normal progression of life. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so why not? give as much as I can back to them because I would want that if I was younger. Yeah. You know, you know, for that young kid that's listening to this, that's trying to become a filmmaker and get into the industry. And I know this is like a cliche question, but like run, 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 run. No. What advice would you give them? Truthfully? Okay. The advice I would give a young filmmaker trying to make it would be to get out a piece of paper and write down why you want to be a filmmaker. Um, a lot of things I've been hearing lately have been financially motivated and, you know, fi- financial, uh, you know, financially, it's not the most secure or the most promising place to be. So if that's like the number one thing, then you basically you need to figure out why you're here. Okay. Why you're here financially. Of course, we all want to survive. We all want to make it. We all want to, but you're going to, you're going to move differently. Um, Figure out what, why, why you're here. 
where, where you want to be in five years. Let's just say five years. And we'll even say 10 years. Where you want to be in as a filmmaker, don't just say, oh, well, in five years, I want to be directing music videos for people. No. Like, where exactly are you? Is it your own company you're working for? Do you have an agent? How much money are these music videos? Who are you shooting? And why are you shooting them? Because where are you going to be in five years? Oh, I want to shoot movies in five years. Okay, so then those music videos better be very narrative-based so that your transition into into films and movies is, is much easier and you're practicing your craft. Now, if you want to get into commercials, then you should, you know, it should be a little bit different. Having that sort of roadmap will help you so that you're not just out here floating. Yeah. And so so many times I hear, like, my goal is to just, just to shoot this. And I'm like, what after? Yeah. So think about what it is you want to, you want to take from this and you want to give to this community and give to this industry, but also like where you want to be so that you can do your work back, you know, map. And I think that'll help you out tremendously because a lot of people just want to be filmmakers. I just want to be a filmmaker. I just want to, but like, what do you want to do? And, and how does that look? Right. And then how does that look in all facets of your life? How much time are you committing to this, this thing? And, and you might find out that's not what you want to do, or you really want to do it and you want to do it like this. And then you can, you can, every, every decision will, will already be made for you based on what you want to do. And that just helps out so, so much. Yeah. And you know, the biggest, the next biggest thing I could say is expect the worst, like expect the hard times, uh, expect that things are going to go completely awry. And every test that you don't want to take is going to present itself on this, on this road. And it's hard, it's treacherous, but it also has all the, the rewards and, and the highs. But it's always an ebb and flow. As soon as you go up, you get a big thing happen, you're going to come back down, and then you go back up. You know, it's just a part of life. So just be prepared for that and understand it's part of the process. And some people don't like that roller coaster. Yeah. You know, um, I I am a little wild, and I, I don't like roller coasters, but I do like the roller coaster <laughs> of life. Um, but But that's part of it. So don't get discouraged. Don't get distracted. And obviously I'm not saying like, just take all these L's. No, but like understand that it's part of the process. And if you really want to do what you, what you, if you really want to do this as a career, then persevere, you know, yeah. and, and learn and learn perseverance. And, um, and just know that you're not an artist, which is like a really ironic thing to say, but your job is a middleman. So if you can work with the, the client, take their idea, put your own little sauce on it, film it, direct it, edit it, do whatever, and deliver it to the audience in a way that achieves the client's goal, you're winning. But n never in that sort of uh, circle of life there is there uh, room for an artist to just go rogue. It took me 10 years to learn that. Jeez. And it, you know, because <laughs> I always wanted to do what I wanted to do. I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm an artist. No, you're not, right? Like you're an artist within the, confinements and if you can do that right there's artistry within that itself because it's so hard to do um and you also make money so like that's where it's at it's a sweet spot yeah you know yeah. yeah brother i really appreciate you coming on the show sharing your story uh you dropped a lot of great nuggets and you know for you you just kept on pushing you just kept on pushing yeah there was and, never, never like another there wasn't any other option yeah. No backup plan. Do you think it's important to have a backup plan? 
that's kind of like my old head coming into like my you know they say like you're you're like your parents at a certain age and like my yeah. old head is like yeah you gotta have but like i never had one up to this point so and i've gotten this far because like i you know i think most people say if you have a backup plan it's most likely going to happen yes you're always going to you know because when these hard times come I mean, you're eating top ramen your car is getting taken you see your car getting put onto a tow truck to never be seen again you're going to go okay backup plan time yeah. right so if you don't have that then there's no option to, but to continue going forward so absolutely I, I don't think that was by design with me but it, it is what it is. No, it is what it is. And you've been able to build a good life yourself and do a lot of amazing things and inspire a lot of people. And you've got a lot of love and a lot of life to live, brother. Thank you very much. As, Absolutely. As do you yourself. You Thank know, I, you. I love hearing about your stories. Thank you. I appreciate you, man. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I, I get what you're going through. If you ever need to talk to anyone, man, I'm always a phone call away, brother. Appreciate it very much. Where can uh, people find your stuff? Matt Alonzo. Everything is Matt Alonzo. Like Instagram, Tinder, Bumble. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Swipe right. You already know what it is. <laughs> all right, people. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, do all that fun stuff. Like, subscribe, come on. Boom. Peace. Boom, brother. <laughs> My motherfucking man. Oh. Appreciate you.